Are you ready to give your employees and customers smooth, secure digital experiences? Then you need Ping Identity as an identity security pioneer. Ping champions your unique identity so your employees can be productive rock stars and your customers can engage with your brand wherever and however they want with lovable digital experiences. I'm the chief identity champion and I'm here to help. Visit pingidentity.com today. Blog Talk Radio. You know, 
I don't know how he's going to fight here, per se, but you never know. But, yeah, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time at that because, you know, that's just fake fights. But Ryan Garcia kind of got into the the Jake – was it Jake Paul? Is that his – the guy could actually can throw a pretty good, decent punch from what I've seen. Um, he rolled up on him with the contract. It's like, what is going on? Um, didn't we have the Garcia-Campbell fight? But anyway, like I said – we're going to dive into this stuff. Um, Pedraza looked pretty sharp in a, in a winnable fight for him, obviously. F.A. didn't really look too good at the spot. You know, at times, it's kind of been like a rinse-repeat type thing where you're like, hey, dude, you got you to gotta, uh, set your jab up. Oh, set, your pu- set your punches. Uh, uh, okay, there you did. There's a jab in the right hand. It came clean. You know, he doesn't set his punches up. A little funky there. Um, Boots, though, Ennis, man, he had a highlight reel uh, uppercut that changed the whole fight. Not that he was going to lose it, but, man, that was a great punch. King Tug looked good early, and then all of a sudden, a dude who not a whole lot of us knew about, you know, really showed himself to be a quality fighter. Um, And then Erickson Lubin. Erickson Lubin put on a performance to win the fight cleanly, no doubt about that. Um, But if you look at the first, what, six, seven rounds, I understand, you know, taking your time, and obviously he's patient. He's he's more patient than he was because he got stung in the first round. But um, it took, like, to the seventh, eighth, ninth to really start to heat up. And, um, I mean, his opponent, Gauthier, it was his fault, too. He was trying to go for the counter. There wasn't a whole lot going on until, like I said, later in the fight. And it really felt like maybe round three or four that that actually would uh, start to take place. And that just was not the case. So we're going to definitely dive in um, to all of this stuff here in just a little bit here. Real quick, though, before we get into, like I said, which is just a stacked week, and I'm really excited. This is, you know, when we bring boxing back on the championship level, um, it just it is fun as a boxing fan. There's a lot going on, obviously. Politics, like all the you know the NBA playoffs, like I said, and the NFL going head to head. College football is going to be almost fully back in a couple of weeks. Um, but it is nice to sit back and appreciate coming off a busy weekend. <clears throat> excuse me, and then going into even a a better weekend, even on paper, no doubt about that. But before we get there. If this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Dope Radio. It streams live at archives. However, you don't have to go to Blog Talk in archive. You know, some people just listen to the browser or download it there. You don't have to do that. The Rope Dope Radio podcast is available at Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher. We're also part of the Grueling Truth Sports Podcast Network which can be found everywhere, including Spotify. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. It's boxing, it's football, it's baseball, it's basketball, it's everything in between. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. I use it myself. It's called AT&T TV Now. It's live streaming cable. They have the seven-day free trial. There's no annual contracts. The plan start as low as $55 a month. You can stream it anywhere. They do have the cloud DVR. Right now, there's two deals I'm going to tell you about. You sign up right now for this. You get a free trial, 30-day trial of HBO Max. 
if you sign up for the AT&T TV Now Max package, that will already include HBO Max, plus a free month of Showtime, which is normally $11. So, boxing fans, just a heads up. That's AT&T TV Now, like I said, live streaming cable. Okay. So, we're going to talk about a variety of stuff here. Um, and, like I said, it, it was uh, – I wouldn't call it an eventful weekend, <laughs> that's for sure. But it, it did have a fair amount of fights going on. It just none of them were like overly, you know, eventful. The undercard was very uh, entertaining um, on Showtime, no doubt about it. The main event, eh, not so much. Both main events, you know, kind of fell short of two-way action or or even. You know, especially with Lubin, it took him so long to take that second gear. And, you know, you don't have to go bombs away. You don't have to do the little, you know, the little Irish jig dance that he did a couple of years ago where he bounced down on the ground, got up and knocked out. I'm not looking for just home run hits. Um, but you can you can bunt on. You can get a double. You can steal third or steal second to third. You know, you can, you can break down the body. You can just open up your offense a little bit more. And then once you start to lay it on him, you know, then you can really go after it. But I can understand he may just kind of be stuck in a style right now. He may think, you know what, I just got to get past this fight and I'm back in a big fight. Why not play it safe? Because after all, he did get, you know, he did get hit really hard and it affected him late in the fight. Pretty much two separate times, one for sure, but then he even got hit. like a round later and it was like, Oh, wait a second. Hold on. Hold the phone. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of a mixed, mixed bag there. I'd say. Um, so yeah, I, uh, let me just see something here. Someone's saying, all right. Uh, cause we all know my uh, live chat is my text or my DM or whatever. Just making sure people can hear there. Okay, we're good. Um, so, yeah, it was a so-so weekend, so-so weekend. But we're going to talk a variety about what went on last weekend. Um, I'm just going to try to get confirmation for 304 to see if, in fact, uh, if it is John. I know John uh really solid boxing guy on Twitter, lawyer as well. Um, want to get his take on a couple of things. Um, I'm just making, seeing if that's you, I actually don't have his number now that I think about it. Um, you could press one, John, if that's you. If not, that's someone just showing. I see some numbers, but only one really stands out. Okay, cool. Um, as something that I didn't quite know. So I'm going to go ahead and bring in, John to the full longtime boxing fan. Um, very entertaining on Twitter and not just in some sort of goofy I'm gonna get likes and tweets. The dude knows his stuff. Um, you know, really the the layers of knowledge I've gotten off this guy just following him. He's a great follow. Um I'm gonna go ahead and bring in John. What's going on, man? How the hell are you, buddy? Hey Chris, thanks for the uh kind words there and uh, thanks for having me tonight. Oh, yeah, of course, man, of course. Um, we are going to get into the fun stuff, obviously. There's uh, a lot to talk about when it comes to this weekend, even though, you know, 
guys like Kevin Ioli, who knows a whole lot about the sport, uh, I guess got mad because he didn't get the press release before everybody, even though they kept it really quiet. And that was part of the battle of keeping it quiet all that long. That, that Showtime uh, announcement is what I'm talking about. But this Charlo card, um, it, 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 it does seem like a lot of the media are just focused on, you know, the pay-per-view thing. And, and I understand. I mean, I guess my thing is the consistency. You know, the last, say, decade or so, and we're going to get into the fights. I just kind of want to get your thoughts on this. The last, say, decade sure. or so, the pay-per-views that we've gotten. You know, what I've heard from the media, and I've been doing the podcast for 10 years. I've been on even boxing Twitter, right, for 10 years. So you know a thing or two. You, you followed all these guys. You know what they're saying. You know what they're not saying. You know what kind of fight they like. You kind of almost get to know how they're going to do a scorecard, just like you do your friend and stuff like that. You know, the biggest thing as far as saying this fight, these fights shouldn't be on pay-per-view or whatever, a lot of it was based off of certain fights like a Canelo Liam Smith, like a Mayweather Berto, like a Pacquiao Rios, like a, you know, something like that. Even, I mean, even some other fights that I could mention. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, these fights wouldn't even be on pay-per-view, but don't realize, you know, Bernard Hopkins and Roy Jones too, and, and Holyfield against somebody in 2010 was actually a pay-per-view. Like, it's kind of like, you know, I understand that the platform does shrink the exposure, you know, definitely. The, the problem I have is why weren't you saying this with all these HBO pay-per-views for years? One, you're not consistent. And two, you're also big enough the UFC, which in many ways, you know, you can definitely say a lot of positive things about the UFC, but they do have like 10 to 12 to 14 pay-per-views a year. So ever since they left Spike, which once they got that thing going, they were getting $2 million, uh, every time out there as far as just on basic cable. They've actually kind of killed their exposure. They're, they never got obviously as big as boxing did before. It, it shrunk on HBO and whatever over the years. But what are your thoughts on really people honing in on just the pay-per-view, but then they, they ask all these last, let's say, 10 years that they want a quality main event and a quality co-feature. Give me something to sink my teeth in. And I think that they delivered that with this Charlo card. Now, I'm not talking to the people that just don't buy paper. So there's plenty of people that are just anti-pay-per-views. You know what? That's consistency. Um, it has kind of – I know this has kind of been the theme with these pay-per-views ever since PBC took over, so there's no secret there. But what are your thoughts on bang for your buck and where this thing stands comparatively over the last 10 years, sir? Uh, Chris, I think you perfectly framed what the issues are from a business perspective and the, the sport of boxing perspective going into – you know, this Saturday's pay-per-view, which that to me is sort of the dichotomy, and that's the part I have mixed emotions about. I think the, the one part you framed perfectly was that, you know, when HBO started to go with too many pay-per-views, in other words, there was a point somewhere along the line when if you'd been following boxing long enough, you got to a point where you were saying, this is 
a, re- a regular HBO fight that has become HBO pay-per-view. Um, you know, then Show- Showtime did that somewhat, and it got to be where there was too many pay-per-views. Uh, on, the, on the other hand, um, if you look at who's buying the pay-per-views at this point, and really even who's watching boxing, I, I think really it, it is just about all hardcore fans. I, I don't even think, unfortunately, really the casual boxing fan really exists anymore. And why that matters is the good part of what we're getting. The bad part is maybe we're getting another pay-per-view that maybe years back, Let's face it, this might have been a Showtime fight, uh, even with this, the, the two good co-features. But the positive part about it is one of the things we lost along the way, which all those weaker-type pay-per-views you described was, uh, especially for hardcore fans, the, the undercards had gotten to be mostly garbage. And right. why that matters, which when we're just having hardcore fans watch is, if, if you looked at a lot of the TV execs that were being honest, and, you know, Bob Arum even at times, and, and Stephen S. Biznose is a pretty straight shooter, they would say, well, you know, when we're, when we're appealing to a casual fan on a pay-per-view, they're just buying it for the, you know, main event anyway, so why should we waste anybody else on the undercard that we could have on another pay-per-view some other time, right. or a big HBO or Showtime fight? Um, but, you know, like we all kind of harken back to there was kind of a middle level where, you know, Don King, love him or hate him or in between, the the one thing he was doing positively for a while was like when he kept running those Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. pay-per-view cards a lot, you know, the undercards were, were really good. You know, you, you had guys mm-hmm. like Felix Trinidad fighting, and, and you, you felt like as as a fan you were getting your money's worth. I know you probably feel like I do a lot of times, you know, when you're paying for just the main event and it doesn't work out well, which in a sport like boxing can happen, it can happen in MMA too. You know, you don't feel satisfied when you've paid, even though you knew the risk and the undercard right. was just absolute garbage. So, you know, we're getting back. I, I felt for a while, like with all the hardcore fans really being the buyers, we needed to get back to at least a better quality card. So I'm encouraged by that. There is the downside of, you know, are we getting too many pay-per-views? Like you pointed out, again, correctly, you know, people tend to forget the UFC basically runs a pay-per-view a month, and now you've got to be an ESPN Plus subscriber to get their pay-per-view as well. So you've got you to do two things there. So that's not great, but their cards have been deeper. Again, I also watch MMA, you know. Uh, I've got a longer history with boxing, and that's definitely the first love, but – the, the MMA cards, you know, again, love them or hate them, but you got to be fair, objective. They've been a little bit deeper, yeah. but they run a pay-per-view a month, which is too much. And frankly, a lot of their main event pay-per-views really haven't justified that either. So I, I think I think these are the, the business issues going into Saturday night. Yeah, that, that I like how you shaped a lot of that. And, um it is kind of funny to see the media pump up that last card when you think, well, that main event was pretty one-sided, not that interesting of a fight either. Of course, that wasn't pay-per-view. But in general, they literally run one on ESPN. I think it's 12 a year. And the rest is either ESPN Plus or pay-per-view. So when we talk about exposure, it, it, you know, 
it's really about just being consistent, but you are right. It's really, you know, boxing fans have a ton of casual fans, but we do not activate them. They just, they just don't. We saw it the last couple of years with HBO. If you look at, you know, I, and that's what's funny about the PBC ones that do hit 250 or 300 or 350 or whatever, right, in that range. You know, when Pacquiao and, and Marquez and, you know, guys that, that featherweight division, a lot of those were on pay-per-views, and a lot of those were, like, from the 250 to 350 range, and they weren't complaining about them, and, and we didn't know they were Hall of Famers just yet at that time. we got to look back at that. So – you're right. The quality card, I think, I do think that Fox, besides their first one, um, as far as just Fox alone, if you look at what they did with Spence, uh, uh, Spence Porter, Thurman Pacquiao, even Wild Ortiz, too, that undercard, they have given us entertainment. The PBC, I didn't like Pacquiao Broner, but um, the, the undercard was good. So, yeah, it is kind of a mixture of all of that. But I keep hearing, well, it's just, you know, if something hits 320 or 350, they say, oh, that's just hardcore. It's like, okay, that, that's fair. That's fair. That's a level of hardcore. But how come, you know, Kovalev and Ward couldn't break 2,000, 200,000? Where were the hardcores then? You know, that, so you're right. It's, it's about activating that fan base because I can talk to so many people and bring up a name or two. And they'd be like, oh, dude, when is that? You know, or whatever. But, it, you know, it is about activating them. And, and boxing is, you know, done no favor to itself, no doubt about it. Obviously, promoters stand out, television networks stand out, managers, fighters. It's a big whole lot of blame uh, to go around. If we call someone the best promoter of all time, we also have to realize how we got to where we got to, too. And they have to have some of the blame there, too. But it is kind of funny how... You know, if you ask for a pay-per-view product to be better and you get it, can you at least play both sides of it? Much like you just did uh, when I asked you a question. You, you, it's not. Well, I shouldn't say playing both sides. You just told the story. Okay, this is it. Yeah, that's not great, but hey, it's better than that, isn't it? So, um, speaking of these fights, though, um, you know, obviously Charlo Derevchenko on paper seems like the much closer 55th with the uh, 50-50 with the betting odds. Charlo Rosario, I think it's going to be a blast in the ring. And by the way, if people are uh, high on Charlo or uh, Rosario with this, you know, the power that he does, he is pretty explosive. He, he, you know, opens himself up, but he's like a plus 310, plus 350, plus 330. It's, it's gone up uh, from what I've seen. So just a heads up out there. We'll talk a little bit of odds later in the show as well. Can you break down what you think is going to happen? You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Happen in both of these really, you know, main event co-feature, even though it is a, a six-fight um, ordeal. Yeah, uh, Chris, I mean, these are both really interesting fights. Um, and, and let me just add, before we get into the breakdown, just tying up what we were saying, you know, and I know you're aware of this too. One thing that's interesting about what PBC is doing in the Charlos would be a perfect example of it. And I think HBO had meant well when they did it, but at the end of HBO's run, they decided, well, we're going to sign and go with who we perceive to be the best fighters, even if they're not Americans. Really, that strategy didn't end up working. And, uh, you know, outside of Canelo, you know, the pay-per-view business obviously faded. Now, Andre Ward's an American, but, you know, he's fighting Kovalev, uh, a Russian, and, you know, those pay-per-views didn't do well, really, even though they were close on paper. Now you've got guys like the Charlos, who PBC has been – exposing, you know, on Fox. They've gotten network exposure. Of course, they've also gotten Showtime exposure, but but they've gotten network exposure. So, you know, I think they were building towards this, and, and we'll see how it goes. We're in the pandemic, but I like the doubleheader idea, and uh, these are both very interesting fights. You know, the first one, I guess, which is going to run first, uh, the fight that actually to me is more interesting is Jer- Jamal Charlo and Sergey Derivianchenko. Um, Derry Vianchenko, I thought the fight could have gone either way. I don't think it was a robbery or anything like that. But I, I And he did get dropped in the fight, which, of course, hurt him. But I thought he did do enough to beat Golovkin. But it, it wasn't a robbery or anything like that. But, but I think uh, he, he, did, he did enough to win that fight. So he's coming off a good performance there, but he did get dropped. I thought Jacobs beat him a little more clearly, but he also got dropped in that fight. So the, the knockdowns are, are a problem for him. Uh, his nickname is the technician, and he is very good technically. Um, so, you know, he's got a lot of skill. He's, you know, from that Ukrainian amateur program. Uh, but, you know, I, I think I've, I've always been a big believer in Jamal Charlo. Um, you know, he's, he was originally the one that was the puncher, and Jermel has caught up to him since Jermel went with Derek James. But Jermel was the boxer before that and wasn't a puncher at all. It's been a pretty amazing transformation. But getting to Jamal, he's always been the puncher. Um, you know, he had a couple distance fights where he didn't look as good against Trout, you know, who could make anybody look bad, uh, you know, didn't get Adams out of there, uh, you know, and uh, had a trouble with Korobov. I thought he won it, but he didn't get him out of there. But, you know, he's had some explosive knockouts, too, against Centeno. Uh, he did what I think you should do with Brandon Hogan. He got him out of there, and, you know, Hogan's sort of a boxer. So, uh you know, he, he's got Julian Williams out of there uh, quickly. You know, he, I, I think his punching power is for real. Uh, Derry Vianchenko's tough. I, I definitely feel Jamal Charlo is going to win this fight, even though the odds are close. I, I strongly feel he's going to win it. I haven't just – whether he stops Derry Vianchenko or not. Uh, I have a hunch that, that he might, that this is going to be really a breakout performance for him and all the people who – don't like Charlo and, and like somebody like Golovkin 
I will say that uh, Derry Vyanchenko didn't have anything left after Golovkin, so you could get you could get ready for right, it. Right, of course. I think, right, I think it's going to be more of a case of not that. It's going to be a case of Jamal Charlo is a guy hitting his prime, and I think you know this is a, a, a feature that he's going to be up for. Derry Vyanchenko's tough. It's not going to be any gimme, but I see some people picking Derry Vyanchenko. I, I myself, even though he's a very good fighter, I don't see that. I think Charlo is going to win this fight. I'm leaning towards that uh, he will stop him before it's over, but that part about it I'm not particularly confident about because Derry Vyanchenko is tough and skilled. But but I do feel that, uh, you know, Jamal Charles will be, keep, be able to keep him out at a distance like Jacobs did a lot of the time, and uh, he'll be able to, I think, Jacobs punches hard, but I, Jacobs is not actually all that active. I think Jamal Charlo will be more active and I think that's going to be the, the difference here. It might look something like the Jacobs fight, but I think that uh, Charles will be punching harder. And I don't think that Derry Vyanchenko is going to be hitting Jamal Charlo like he hit Golovkin, because I, I do think that Golovkin's easy to hit, especially with the right hand. He gets credit for his defense that you know, he doesn't really deserve. He, he's always been there to be hit, uh, even against lesser opposition. So I, I think that Jamal Charlo is, is actually better defensively than Golovkin is. So I don't think he's going to take the shots that Golovkin did. And I think he'll he'll get the win. Yeah, and you know, it always seems like Dervinchenko, he may take a little while to get warmed up. Once he gets going, he, he, has, he puts his rounds together. But even against Cloquet and many other fights, there's a time where he either wears down or gets caught with something and hurt, much like Koroba, that Koroba fight. It took a little while for Charlo to kind of, you know, get that figured out. That was a late replacement. His brother did just lose, uh, and maybe that did mess him up. He, he did talk about how I need to clear my head. And then once he kind of got it together, then he really started looking better. But that was still in later in the fight. Um I mean, do you think it'd be more of like a TKO if he does get the stoppage? I mean, everybody can land a, a crisp, you know, a big punch or whatever, but um, do, do you kind of see maybe a wearing down, uh, you know, a closed eye, or, or do you think, you know, Sergey will kind of hang in there and, and he's already kind of shown us uh, that he can make it to 12 rounds? I think, I'll, I think he'll hang in, but then what I'm leaning towards, like I said, I don't feel as confident about it as I do just the fact that I feel Jamal Charlo will win. I, I see him you know, accumulating some punishment on Derry Vyanchenko and then maybe hitting hitting him with a series series of shots, you know, in the second half of the fight, maybe enough to to get a stoppage. I, I'm le- I'm leaning that way, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if if it went to 12 and and Charlo got the decision either. I have been kind of teeter tottering around that TKO. Not quite sure where I'm going with that. Um, as far as Rosario, you know, he had a great performance. He's been on uh, FS1 a bunch. I think he was on a, a undercard on the Fox, too, but definitely on FS1. Um, you know, he beat J-Rock in the, one of the upsets of the year, of course. He was he didn't start that great in that fight, but then, you know, he, he turned the tide. and he, He's got a lot of pop, got a lot of power, um, has some holes in the game, gets squared up, you know, kind of a wide punch at times, but, you know, when you look at getting the full camps, you know, you know, there's excuses and reasons. And sometimes we find out later, Oh, that was a real reason. Cause look, this is what he's doing now. I, I hearken back not that long ago to use that word, John, but uh, to Madonna 
not the same fighter, not even talking about that. But remember, before he was able to get with Heyman, you know, he would get the three-week notice. He would have a three-week camp. Even if he had a, a bigger a six to eight weeks, his management just wasn't there, and he'd have three- or four-week camps and show us that in the ring still. Um, what can we say about a full camp now back-to-back kind of finding his groove. We know the old, if you win a championship, or even if you get a big fight, that extra layer, that extra percentage of confidence that gets installed into a fighter. Um, what do you think about a full camp with Rosario? Because to me, as long, you know, Charlo has been more aggressive ever since that Jackson fight uh, about four years ago when they got this 154-pound division rolling on that, Trout, I think it was Trout. God, I can't remember who, but the other Charlo brothers were on the, you know, were on the undercard. But it was a triple header with 154, and he had to go get Jackson. He talked about it because you're right. The other Charlo Jamal was really more power, and he was people were talking about him more. Whereas you know the boxer, more of a crisp jab, more of a fundamentally sound Mel was was fighting better fighters at the time back in the day, but people weren't really talking about him. I mean, both of them were kind of under, you know, valued at the time as far as where they could go. But, you know, Charmel is more aggressive. And even in that Tony Harrison fight, I'm not trying to say that he can do on the bat book, Rosario, what, what Harrison can do in his comfort zone. But what do you think about, you know, maybe Jermel kind of going with that aggressive style a little too much and getting caught with a guy along with that full camp thing. Because uh, most people think, oh, I've seen a lot of, oh, he's going to stop in the sixth round. Oh, it's a one-sided fight. I don't think it's a one-sided fight. I, I definitely favor Charlo here because I think he's got more ways to win. Um, but what do you think about that full camp uh, angle? Because we have seen it, and that's why I brought up Madonna, because all of a sudden you're like, whoa, oh, he's Garcia's got his – Got him using his jab. What's going on? Oh, shit. You know, we knew the guy could fight, but when he got a full camp, he was a different beast. Yeah, I, well, here's one where I think we, we disagree probably a little bit at what we're looking at because I do think Rosario was a solid fighter. Um, you know, we did see him on a lot of PBC cards, which is one of the things that's been great about PBC with these, you know, network appearances and then on FS1. You, you've gotten to know these guys. If you're, especially if you're a hardcore fan, and, and that and that helps the enjoyment of the fights. So let's let's face it, we've been watching these guys for a few years, and Rosario was one of those guys on the undercards, um, you know. But he got stopped by Gallimore. He, he was always a solid fighter, but but nothing that really stood out to you. And then he was explosive against Julian Williams, and there's no doubt it was a great performance. But I tend to look at it more like I, I don't want to say fluke because he did it with, you know his heart and aggression and he showed power in that fight. It was a totally legitimate victory, but I, I just, I just don't have that feeling like he's going to be replicating that type of a performance. Um, both of the Charlo brothers have shown great chins so far. Um, Jermel, who's fighting Rosario, he's made one of the, in all the years I've been watching boxing, one of the most amazing transitions. Cause you see it so rarely the guy was a, a boring boxer who worked off the jab on his way up. And as you correctly pointed out, Chris, the buzz wasn't really building. And one of the reasons is you watch those, they would be on the same card, but you would watch those Jamel fights. Like you said, even though he was fighting the better guys at the time, I mean, his, his fights were dull. His fights were dull. And then he kind of feels like 
his growth being stunted and he goes over to Derek James, you know, Errol Spence's trainer and, and they turn him into an aggressive power puncher like his brother. And, and normally when a guy does that, the power still doesn't come, but with him, the power has come. And, and I think that it is going to be something like the fight with Tony Harrison too. I think that uh, Rosario punches a little harder than Harrison, but I, I see this being similar where Jermel's going to press it. And, you know, he may be open, like you're saying, and, you know, Rosario showed great power against Williams, but um, Charlo's got a better chin, and, and I think Charlo is going to hunt him down. And, and I do think it'll, it probably will be around the, the midpoint of the fight. I could see uh, Jermel getting him out of there. I see something like the second Harrison fight with, for Jermel Charlo, which is an excellent fight. Uh, might be at a little more risk with Rosario's power, but, but he's shown the chin, and, and I think that he'll be able to put that pressure on. And uh, I think what he learned in that yeah. first Harrison fight is he's not going to back off on that kind of pressure. I thought he got ro- – I did think that was a robbery. I thought he got robbed in the first Harrison fight. I do think he should be undefeated uh, because I do think that was I did have win it too. I had yeah, the Gorbachev fight a much closer fight, you know, on yeah, that, that card. That was close. Right. That was tight. That was a very tight fight. I thought Jamal Charlo pulled that out maybe at the end, you know, just at the end. Very close fight. Mm-hmm. But I, I just thought Jamal, you know, beat Tony Harrison. I, I didn't know where the judges were coming from that night. And I don't use the term robbery easily like a lot of people do. But, but that is one in recent years I did think that was a robbery. I, I could not see uh, Harrison getting that decision. But I think that Jamal – learned a little bit in that fight that, uh, you know, he, he's going to press and not let that happen to him again. And, and he's become extremely exciting. It really is one of the most tra- dramatic transitions I've seen in all my years of uh, watching boxing. Uh, of course, Arturo Gotti was a boxer, you know, up through his first alphabet belt that he won. Uh, and then, you know, he became a legendary brawler. So, you know, that might be another example you look at, um, you know, but I, I, you don't see it, it very often. It's rare when a guy does that with power. But, you know, Jermel Charles doing it, it's been very entertaining. And I think that this is a good opportunity for him to uh, have a showcase because I think Rosario had that one big performance against Julian Williams. But I, I don't think he's going to be able to come close to replicating that against Charlo. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good call. I, just, I do see a lot of, oh, he's going to flatten him in five rounds. And I'm just like, oh, I'm not ready to say that just yet. I think he's going to knock him out, but um, I just don't know about that. This is going to be easy fighting. When he comes forward, you know, I actually had him. I had it five, five or six, four Harrison in that in the rematch before he knocked him out. So I, you know, I, I was kind of like, oh boy, this this is actually going to turn into a trilogy, and obviously it can in a year or two or whatever, and I'd be just fine with that. I'm glad they didn't go right to it. Um, is there anything else you want to mention? Obviously, Breedis Dortico's from the weekend is going to be an all-out brawl. Josh Taylor returns against a hard puncher who he should be able to be okay against. Obviously, the undercard, there's some, I'd say, like uh, interesting fights that are going to be entertaining to watch, but none of them stand out as that's a 50-50 by any stretch. Anything else you want to uh, highlight with this weekend before we kind of get into what happened over the last weekend? Yeah, I, I, actually, I would, Chris. I, I think you make a good point with the undercard. I like what PBC is doing here, but as you correctly pointed out again, that's mainly focused on the two Charlos. I, I think it is worth giving shining a little light on the undercard because 
There are, there are some flaws here, even though, again, the good thing is these are PBC guys we've been seeing. We're getting to see them again. But even though this is a multi-fight pay-per-view, I'd like to see some of these be a hair better. You know, if, if you look at the, the record of, you know, the guy Mary's fight, and he's, he's undefeated, but he hasn't fought anybody. Right. And he, he's not that big of a puncher. You know, when, when Mary's ready to go, I mean, you know, you cannot like his – past PED issues and coming in overweight, yeah. but, but the guy's a destroyer for, you know, he's going to be fighting at 122, I guess, now, and, and you know, I, I don't think any nondescript opponent is going to be ready for a prepared Luis Neri, so I think that could be a blowout, and Brandon Figueroa, we're speaking of guys who could box, who brawl, Brandon Figueroa's one yeah. of those guys. Now, he's pretty much been aggressive his whole career, but he seems to have a skill set where he, he could box, but he chooses not to. It's very entertaining. Um, but I think he, he has the frame and the skills that he could box, chooses not to. But, you know, Vasquez, the guy he's fighting, um, you know, look, they're, they're, these are pro boxers. We want to have respect. But, you know, if you looked at him against Payano, and you look, even though he, he, he did go the distance, but if you looked at who he fought before that and you looked at the way he performed, he, he really is not skilled. Uh, you know, he just does not bring a lot to the table. And the way, uh, you know, Brandon Figueroa has been fighting aggressively, even though he's coming off a draw, he was at a disadvantage in that fight with Seha, who came in way over the weight, fought him anyway, and, and entertaining brawl, got a legit draw. I don't hold that against him because of that. And, and I just think he's going to plow through Vasquez. So I don't think that's going to be competitive. Uh, Casamayero yeah. and, and Micah, I think Casamayero is definitely going to win that fight. I don't know if he stops him or not. Um, he's come up from flyweight. He's 5'4". Micah is 5'7". He's a bit bigger. He might be able to go the distance. But I think, you know, again, not much doubt to me that Casamayero is going to win that fight. Um, I think that's a good but, action fight, you know, good TV fight where you're like, oh, these dudes are really going at it. But other than that, that's about it. Yeah, and, you know, you kind of get a little curious if Casimiro can, can kind of duplicate what he get, did against Tete, so you watch it. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't feel like that's one where we really have a lot of doubt about, you know, who's actually going to win the fight. And then I guess you got Payano and Roman. You know, I don't – Roman might not stop him, but I, I just don't see Payano winning that fight either. I, I think, you know – Roman should coast to a decision at the least. So not too much doubt, like you said, in those. Uh, there is doubt with the uh, Dorticos and uh, Breedis, which is going to be on the zone. You know, Breedis is a solid fighter who's, you know, he's knocked out heavyweights himself, even though he's this is at cruiserweight. And, you know, Dorticos is a huge puncher at cruiserweight. So I like the matchup in that sense. Um, you know, of course, Breedis was very competitive against Usyk when they fought. But I, there's just something I like about Dorticos. I like his aggression. I like his power. I, these are both guys, to me, that can fight at heavyweight, and I'd like to see that. That's where the money and the glamour is. But they're going to do the cruiserweight thing Saturday. Tough fight to call. I, I, I think – I assume he's going to be an underdog. He is an underdog. in it. But I think, I think Dorticos is going fi- to find a way to win this one. Yeah, that, that can go either way because – Dortico's man, when he lays it on you, dude, it, it's it's not going to be pretty. You know, he he definitely has a way to change a fight, and 
and I, I think it will be a two-way just action fight. Obviously, it's been a fight that we've been waiting for for a while as far as the a variety of things that went on with this fight. Um, so it, it'll be it's nice for both uh, guys to actually get that that payday in general. Um, as far as the two main events from Showtime and ESPN Plus last week, Pedraza and Lubin, let's take a gander at that. Pedraza looked as looked pretty much the same. I'd say he looks pretty good. 140. We'll see how that goes. When he went to 135, he said 135 was a little tougher to make, so he feels comfortable at 135. Jumping up to 140, we'll see if that, you know, if he can hang with the the, the guys up there. It feels like um, he probably can because he does have a pretty good style for it. But Zapata, actually, he just got he just lost him not long ago. But he looked kind of his normal self, his little in and out. I know they were talking about. I know Tim, Timothy Bradley. You know they brought up Loma esque. You know Lomachenko esque, which is just like, all right, dude, I get it. You're broadcasting, but then you leave it up to the fighter and Tim Bradley that says, I don't think at 140 anyone's gonna want to fight him. It's like Timothy. Calm down a little bit. Calm down a little bit. I loved you as a fighter when a lot of people didn't like your bruising style. I loved it, but come on. Dude. You're the fighter. You're saying nobody's going to fight Pedraza? That was a little weird, but, you know, we're, we're used to that, especially nowadays, uh, some of these broadcasts in general. So I thought he looked pretty good. We could talk about F.A. a little bit later as well and some of the other cards. Lubin seems like he is kind of stuck in between what he wants to do offensively or as an overall fighter. Um, it's funny because we're all on Twitter pushing him to come forward earlier, but then he got caught and hurt kind of bad late in that fight. What do you think of those two uh, in the main event, the, the, the two uh, victorious fighters? Well, first, you know, I, I guess um, go, go talking most recently to Lubin and Gaucher. You know, to me, if you watch Erickson Lubin's whole career, you know, even before he got KO'd in the first round by Charlo, and I, I did pick Charlo in that one going in, you know, Lubin was always up and down to me when you watched his fights coming up. You know, there'd be uh, one night he he looked spectacular, and then, then he'd, he'd look kind of mediocre. And, and, and it got me where I wasn't as high on him as some other people. And and I felt like we're seeing that we were seeing that again Saturday night. I mean, Gaucher hasn't been stopping anybody. He's not a puncher. He and he hurt Lubin badly. And, and it was a dull fight before that point. It, it kind of startled Lubin because he did almost get knocked out. Really, he was in that out of trouble. Um, I'm not saying Gaucher followed up where he got that close to stopping him, but Lubin was definitely in trouble, and and it got him fighting a little more. And, you know, that was late in the fight after it was a dull fight. Um, Gaucher can, can make you look bad, but, but Lubin getting hurt by a guy. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. I like Gaucher, who, who just 
really hasn't been hurting or stopping anybody. It's it's just a bad sign, and and with his up and down nature, I, I just think you know he's shown some moments. He's got a good trainer, you know, Kevin Cunningham, but but I think that uh, I, I just don't feel the ceiling, the overall ceiling is there. I think. Uh, he's he's going to fall into my knockout waiting to happen group. I have a few guys out there like that. Dillian White was one of those guys before Povetkin iced him. Um, you know, just just a few guys out there that that I see certain vulnerabilities. Now Lupin has some skills, so you know, with White to me, it's more of a talent type thing. But you know, with Lupin, he's up and down, and, and you know, get stopped and won by Charlo, and then get rocked by Gaucher. It, 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 there's going to be a fight here where it's not going to end up well for him coming up and Gaucher had a great you know amateur career but uh he's very very cautious when he fights and he just just hasn't shown the offense throughout his career and and you know when he when he gets in a bigger fight we we still don't really see a lot of offense and and I don't think that's going to change much for him you know he'd just be kind of a difficult guy to look good against but uh you know his ceiling's also capped Pedraza I think like you described I mean he looked good against Molina Saturday night he looked good against um Les Pierre, but I don't know what we're talking about here. I don't mean to be picking on Jose Pedraza because I do like him and he he looked good in his last two fights, but I don't even know why we're really getting Jose Pedraza main events. I mean, you know, he should be a guy at, at best on some kind of co-feature, you know, on an undercard unless he's fighting a star. I mean, uh, and, and like you said, he's just a couple fights removed from losing to Zapata, so to, to be building him up and and, you know, highlighting on a main event, it's nothing against him. He's a solid fighter. You know, he, he might be an okay opponent for another top guy, you know, probably fall, you know, falling short, I would say. But, uh, you know, I, I can't see really, you know, that, that to me is when, when top rank does stuff like that, that's to me where you, you get into questions about the depth of the stable. <laughs> you know, uh, again, not picking on Jose sure. Pedraza. But I, I just don't. I just don't get that. And like, like you were kind of alluding to also, Chris, I mean, ultimately, really, when you think of guys at 140 pounds, if you weren't having all these promotional divisions and things like that, I mean, you know, he, he, he's not beating Josh Taylor. He's not beating Regis Progray. And, you know, really, he's not beating Jose Ramirez. You know, he's really not even coming close to beating these guys. So, um, you know, what, what's, it, what's it really about? That's, that's to me kind of – you know, where things get, get a little bit watered down. And it's not because Pedraza is a bad fighter. He looked good in these last few fights, but it's part who he's fighting. And, you know, I, I just, I just don't know exactly what it's about. And then we're raving about him. It's, it's, it's a little bit of odd use of time and resources really. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Um, so Boots Ennis got a nice little highlight uppercut in there. Uh, having to go to 10-ounce gloves because of the overweight of uh, Abreu. Um, F.A. kind of looking his own stiff self, and then when he puts his punches together, you go, well, that's what he's got. Um, is there any of these undercards that you want to talk about? I kind of want to hear you your thoughts on, on Boots, because obviously he's got some uh, litigation to figure out uh, before I believe he'll get a big fight. But as far as a prospect, basically, I think you got to call him just what he's shown, a contender in a sense. He may not have great wins or anything, but um, he's a fun fighter to watch. He's, he's, he's kind of on his toes in and out, but yet he'll put his punches together. He'll mix them up. He's got fast hands. 
Uh, I'm wondering exactly where his defense is because sometimes, man, that upper body movement is real nice. Other times, like in the highlight reel uppercut, he gets clipped. Uh, where are you at with Boots? And then uh, we can talk about King Tug because I know you've had some things to say about him in the past. Yeah, I want to talk about Boots. And, and because I had been really high on a jog, but I do want to address that. But first with Boots Ennis, um, you know, I, I like him getting the stoppage. I like the way he's aggressive. Um, he was extremely fast. His jab was really good. And he's got power. I've always liked his power. Um, coming up to this point, the only thing I didn't like about what he did Saturday night, which could be something in the future that can matter, is, um, is you know, Abreu is no defensive specialist by any means. Um, he, he was very inaccurate with his power shots before he landed that beautiful uppercut. And, you know, the uppercut, of course, showed he's got that power. And, and when he does land flush, I mean, guys are going to go out, and, and you just really love watching the guy. I love his aggression, and he gets people out of there. Overall, you know, I give him good grades on his performance on the whole, but the thing that troubled me watching it really through up until he landed that big uppercut was he was, he was actually very inaccurate with his power shots. And sometimes that can be a vulnerability as a fighter's career goes on because, you know, accuracy is one of the most underrated attributes. And, you know, if, even if a guy's got – a lot of power or speed, but he, but he's inaccurate. And, and you know, you just get to get better opposition, and those shots just aren't landing where they should be or not landing at all. Uh, that, that, that can catch up to a fighter. So that's something I'm looking for, uh, hopefully for his sake, correction on. And if he doesn't correct it, 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 could, it could be a vulnerability. But uh, a, lot of, a lot of good things. Ennis is a fun guy to watch. Um, you know, the way things are nowadays, even, even with who he's fought, I mean, I liked him being on a PBC show because PBC has all the, the top welterweights for the most part. You know, of course, outside of Terrence Crawford and, you know, maybe, you know, I think, you know, Virgil Ortiz is, is getting ready to, to be on that level. Um, but, you know, I, I think he, he's, he's ready for a real contender. You know, you might not want to see him just yet go right to, in theory, not that he will, fighting the, the top like Spence or, uh, Crawford, even though that won't right. happen promotionally, but but hey, the other contenders, yes, let, let let's get to it. Let's let's see it. Let's see what he's got. Um, you know, I, so I, I really do enjoy watching him fight. I was glad to see him on a PBC card, considering they have all the welterweights and him to get a big knockout. I like the way I always like fighters like Ennis, who you know he's fighting a guy like Abreu. He's not playing around, you know, going for the stoppage, trying to right. be impressive. I'm, I'm always partial. I really like to see that out of fighters that's one of the things i look for and he's definitely one of those guys all you got to do is look at his ko percentage uh on the other hand fa jogba guy that i had been really high on um you know he decided to make a promotional and a trainer switch which concerned me for a lot of reasons his exposure because i i actually thought even though he got dropped in that wild fight with Kalaji and he didn't look as good against kojanu he still did stop him i thought he was on i thought he was on track um and you know, he had the split with Ronnie Shields. Ronnie Shields, a good trainer, and, you know, moved to take Coroma. But I, I didn't like what I saw in this fight. Uh, with, uh, you know, he was in with a guy that wasn't in the win, granted, Rice. But, but like you said, Chris, I mean, he, he was just kind of not even with any spirit throwing a one-two. And I, I, I could see where Shields had him working on other punches. And, uh, you know, I thought he was making progress there. Um, I think you saw a lot of that, even though Desmarion went the distance with him. That that guy's good, and he came to fight. Much better opponent than we all expected. Ended up being good for yeah. Jogba, but 
he had to go a tough distance fight, and I thought you saw better punch selection. We saw none of that Saturday night. Uh, it was what I feared for him, and, I, and I'm not just saying it because he's with top rank now. I'm just saying because he made the trainer switch. It's just something that kind of taken him off track. I mean, there he is on ESPN+. Plus. He went in. He went from the action card of the year on Fox in December where you had that Balderas upset loss. Uh, you had the Ajagba, Kalaji, right. and then you had Harrison, Charlo, too. A tremendous, tremendous card on regular network TV. And then the guys on ESPN Plus fighting underneath Jose Pedraza. I mean, how could you be a big heavyweight prospect and fighting below Jose Pedraza? It, 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 to me, that doesn't make sense, even in boxing 2020. It, it's still a, you know, a heavyweight that people have seen on Fox. And, and then to have a, a, a performance like that where he looks like he regressed, uh, just a real, really, really bad night for a job left. And he's been a little uneven, you know. Sometimes you see it and you're like, oh, I see it. Okay, yep, mm-hmm. And then the next fight, uh, but I did like how he was getting rounds, like you mentioned, um, and that's something he needs fully, you know. Yeah, but he, I didn't like, you know, he's not going to be, I mean, you, you want guys to have some skills to defend themselves, you know, if you get hurt in a fight and you got to survive, that right. type of thing. But, but you know, a Ajagba, you know, his background, amateur-wise, you know, wasn't so deep that, I mean, you know, he, he's never, he's never, gonna, he's never going to become a slick boxer. So, right. you know, let, let's let, let's have him go out and try to destroy a heavyweight, and uh, you know, use that height. And he's got the power; he's shown the legit power. You know, he, this guy's not going to be a boxer. I mean, so you know, to to, to poke around with the jab against this rice guy who was just in to survive. I mean, you you know, Chris, how like the old trainers would say and stuff, and there's still a truth to it. I mean, you know, if the guy's looking for a way out of there, give give him a reason to get out of there. In other words, yeah, right. doesn't want to be there. You know, yeah, give him a start, ticket start out of some, Yeah, start laying some hammers on him and, and give him an excuse to get out of there. Um, but he, but Jogba didn't do that, and and the, and then it ends up going the distance. So yeah, and you know, fans don't want to see that. Let's face it. You know, it's heavyweights. You know, fans don't want to see that, especially from the heavyweights. So um, not. Not a not not a good outing. Uh, I, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm just not sure where it's going right now. The whole the whole plan for him. Yeah, it did seem like when he was getting it together, he did start to attack the body more. But yeah, he gets hit with jabs and hooks, and it's the type where his his head snaps, you know. And you're like, oh boy, that's man. He started to go up in levels. We'll see. But yeah, we'll we'll see where he goes. Um, we can uh, talk a little King Tug if you want. Otherwise, I do kind of want your thoughts, uh, well, obviously prematurely, but just on the Canelo uh, lawsuit stuff in general, I kind of want to get uh, you to chime in on that. Obviously, we haven't seen the contract. Obviously, the first wave of it uh, didn't go as well for obvious reasons. But um, well, let's talk a little bit about that maybe. And uh, I won't you know, take up that much more of your time, sir. Yeah, no, no, we will. Uh, first on Tug, I, you know, I, I like Tug. I, I didn't see how, even though Breedy showed a lot of heart and came to fight, I, I don't see how that was a split decision. I thought Tug clearly won it. Um, you know, he, guy's got a lot of power. He's got a lot of skill. He's got the amateur pedigree. I think people are actually sleeping on him a little bit, underestimating him. I mean, losing to Gary Russell Jr. when you've had, you know, 11 pro fights or whatever is no shame. Um and, you know, I think he's a threat 
to anyone. You know, let's say Shakur Stevenson's not going to fight at featherweight anymore. You know, he's a threat to anyone at featherweight outside of uh, Gary Russell Jr. So I think that you know he you know he's got the power, he's got the amateur pedigree. He just has moments where he takes his foot off the pedal a little bit. That's his one flaw. Uh, Breeding's got a lot of heart. But, you know, he, he's going to be, even at featherweight, he's going to be a little small and underpowered. He doesn't have the power. He's, he's a fun guy to watch. He's got a lot of heart. But uh, I think it's going to be tough for him because, you know, he, he doesn't have the power. And Tug didn't have to respect his power. But I think King Tug is a threat to anybody that's currently fighting at featherweight outside of Gary Russell. And PBC's got a lot of guys now in that 122, 126-pound range. I'd like to see him, you know, put all these guys together. Um you know, uh-huh. some of these guys we're talking yes. about on undercards. Instead of them fighting lesser opposition, uh, let, let's have let's have some of these guys take each other on. That that's something that's there for PBC at welterweight, which they've had a lot of them fight at welterweight. In fairness, um, it's there for them at featherweight too. And they just did have Tug and Russell fight, and I thought that was an underrated matchup going in. And uh, you know, Russell showed his skill. So keep doing that. Let's let's keep seeing these guys fight each other. I think there's a lot of a lot of great fights to be made there now. You know, getting on to the uh, Canelo litigation, um, you know, I have been following it, haven't read, you know, the entire complaint. Uh, I, I have, uh, you know, looked looked at parts of it, and I, I do litigate, so it's it's in litigation, but it's in the contract setting. Um, my litigation is usually not centered around con- contractual matters as much. That's uh, more of a transactional type thing. I, I, I do uh, more of your discrimination-based type litigation, but I'm litigating all the time. And, uh, you know, the procedural dismissal might, might be a little overrated. It, it, it might, not, might not be that big of a deal in the long run. Um, you know, the Canelo's attorneys obviously were making a strategic decision where they wanted to get the case in federal court in California. Um, but, you know, it looks to me what I think is interesting, like you said, we don't know exactly what the contract said, but, but I think what would probably be interesting to the boxing fans is when I'm reading into this, you know, litigating and looking at the strategy. And, and even though Golden Boy is not talking that way, it, it seems to me that this can't be anything other than trying to get away from Golden Boy in, in the midst of this uh, controversy over the DAZN deal. So, uh, and, you know, DAZN's tied with Golden Boy, and, and there's that deal between DAZN and Golden Boy. But looks to me like Canelo wants out. Um, I think that it's probably – an attempt to get to some number between Canelo, DeZone, and Golden Boy, where Canelo right. maybe gets some money and gets gets out of this thing. But, you know, Golden Boy, you mentioned him earlier, they've got Ryan Garcia, who's an up-and-coming star, but Canelo's the biggest star in boxing right now. You know, it legitimately could be the case that Golden Boy just can't afford, can't afford to lose Canelo. So, I, I mean, I don't think Canelo is going to be – I don't think it's one of these deals where, you know, like we've seen with Mikey Garcia, you know, that, that I think think that people are looking at like where, where he's going to be looking at sitting, you know, fighting this out for a really long period of time and sitting out. You know, litigation does take a long time. That's, that's uh, one of the unfortunate things about litigation. But but I, I think this all looks to me like an attempt by by Canelo to to leverage things to you know maybe maybe come away with with some money from the zone and 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 just getting away from golden boy whether he's going to be able to pull that off or not 
you know, that's what litigation's about and what all the strategy and right. the chess moves are. And I, goal, I do know a lot about because this is coming up more in litigation. I don't, I don't like it. Uh, you know, I think it threatens the right to jury trial. But these arbitration agreements, uh, you know, in Canelo's case, it, it could be more argued that, you know, with his deal, it's a sophisticated consumer and, and, and he knows what he's doing, even though he's a fighter with his people. But, they're, you know, Golden Boy, we don't know for sure, but they're saying there's an arbitration clause, too, which would mean the dispute between right. Canelo and Golden Boy can't be even in federal court. It's got to be an arbitration instead. I don't like these arbitration agreements, but like them or not, more and more of them are being upheld. So you could have that factor where then it's got to get thrown into an arbitration. Um, but I think I think it looks to me like the end game is that, you know, Canelo's trying to trying Canelo's trying to get out of this deal and, and maybe just get some money, you know. Obviously, he and his people know he he's not going to get the entire amount of the contract yeah. without, without right. fighting. So it doesn't make any yeah. sense. So, uh, but but that's just a leverage thing. So it's going to be some number between zero and and the entire contract number. And Canelo trying to get away from Golden Boy is is where he wants this to end up. And and DAZN probably does at this point too. But but what, where does Golden Boy you know want want their relationship with the Canelo to end up? They probably don't want it to end, and that's that's where you no. know if it drag, their strategy could be to drag it out. And if Canelo's got to sit out, uh, you know he's losing a lot of money, but we can't forget either Canelo's also made a lot of money. So, um, oh. you know, with the money he's made, uh, you know, you, you got to say even with the money he has made, some of the reason of him still fighting has got to be pride. So, um, you know, he does he does want to fight. Um, but, you know, it's going to be, be interesting. But it would seem to me that this is the beginning of the end of the Canelo-Golden Boy relationship. And we should add, Chris, because uh, this actually was out there in, in reputable stories and on Twitter within the last week or so. You know, he can't interfere with contract, but Stephen Espinosa did straight out say and was quoted that, that he has high interest in Canelo and that they had a past contractual relationship and he would be interested in resuming that if – Canelo is a free agent. I, I thought that was worthy of note. Yeah, and even the Yildrum thing where, you know, that promoter said, I got Al Heyman, and he, you know, him and Showtime have 20 mil. We're ready to win this first bid. And I also think that is a way to prove a lot of people are like, why is he doing this Yildrum thing? But isn't that proving that he's ready to fight? Speaking of reports, John, we, we found out that Canelo was willing to take a 30% cut, but the zone wanted 50%. So he, he was actually willing. I mean, just fighting, he's going to take a pay cut because of lock of, of uh, the, the live gate, obviously. He does a good $8 million every time out. But so he was already saying, dude, you know, I'll meet you 30% or whatever. We, we don't know if that's the exact thing. But that is the reports from Cop and Raphael and a couple other folks. But that kind of blows my mind. Because ultimately, you guys did sign him for this crazy 35 mil every time. And you guys, from what we know, it's it's Oscar and Golden Boy that make the money on the gate. And they're not in. That part of it is a different deal than, say, Floyd and Showtime because he was independent. Is that Yildrum thing literally saying, hey, because we found out that he did ask Golden Boy to go try to go to a network and get me a fight. They, I don't know, allegedly didn't. And they also allegedly, this is what Canelo is saying, that the agreement that they have in the premier opponent thing between Golden Boy and DeZone, how, 
you know, he's like, wait a second, what, what, what's going on here? I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in between. So they are stopping him from fighting. And he also did say that he would fight Golovkin next. They get so much so that they got the money fingered out, according to a couple of reports too. So DAZN did ultimately get their Golovkin fight, maybe too late, of course. But hey, if they say that it was going to come in September, that's what they told us to the press. And it's not like, uh, you know, Oscar came out and a variety of other people came out and said, no, 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 like, because like, Oscar's not afraid to express himself on there. But is this Yildrum thing saying, hey, here's another, I, try, I have $20 million sitting here. I have, my services are here. I can fight. I want to fight. But for some reason, this little in-between game that I have nothing to do with, well, I have something to do with, but as far as putting pen to paper, a lot of this is alleged, obviously, but where do you find that? That seems to be the crux of the issue right there. The premium opponent, the supposed, allegedly, he tried to say, hey, I need to see the, the agreement. They wouldn't do it. So, you know, he said, all right, here's a lawsuit. Yeah, I think that I, I apparently what's come out now too is that, or you know, was there wasn't talked about as much is that technically the contract is between the zone and Golden Boy, and then you know Canelo right. is like a Golden Boy employee, so to speak, uh, in, in it. Now I, I think what's happening here is my read on it is because of the pandemic and the way boxing hasn't gone. We we could have seen this. A lot of people who watched a lot of boxing and followed the business side could have told them, but the uh, zone thought thought that they could, uh, you know, somehow make this Canelo deal work at the numbers they were talking, and and they can. I, I think that Canelo wants out of this deal, and so does the zone. That's that's my read. I think you got two to three parties that want out, and Golden Boy is reliant. <laughs> they don't <on> money. <laughs> Right, they're they're reliant on that money from the zone for the rest of the guys that they're giving him, which outside of Ryan Garcia and Virgil Ortiz, and and they don't have a lot of people for those two to fight, uh, is not much. I, I do think that the Yildrum thing is definitely part of the maneuvering, and that I think gets into a little more of the boxing politics part. Let's face it, Yildrum's appeared on a a few uh, PBC cards recently, and. Uh, yeah. Uh, the first year or so of PBC. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Haverty's Furniture is here to help you get your home all set for the new year so you can set the stage with more style, set the bar more beautifully, and set a more show-stopping table. Let's set some time aside to settle in on a new sofa together because being at home shouldn't mean having to settle for less. And Haverty's Furniture can help you start the new year off right at their holiday savings event so you can create the perfect setting. And right now, everything's on sale store-wide. I like this part of it when they were anti-alphabet organization. Remember how they weren't even mentioning the alphabets during the initial network broadcast? I personally love that. But then all of a sudden something changed around the time of the Danny Garcia, Roberto 
Guerrero fight where that became for a WBC belt. And all of a sudden WBC right. was all over the telecast and I, I could see something had shifted. And I, I think, and I don't think that they, again, they know their business. I don't think it was necessarily the way to go, but apparently PBC and the WBC decided it would be mutually beneficial to start doing some working together. So, um, right. you know, when Canelo, which you got to laugh, let's face it, when the WBC board of directors voted 31 to one or whatever, that Canelo and Yuldrum should be fighting for their 168 pound belt. I mean, you, you had to, you had to laugh, but, but I think you're analyzing the right. It's all part of the maneuvering. And I think it is sort of the Canelo side of things with obviously, you know, PBC is on Showtime. Steven Espinosa has already said he's had interest. Um, there, there's, you know, kind of saying, hey, you know, maybe, maybe this is a way to work your way in to just say that the, the WBC is, the, you know, you have to laugh at all the alphabets, that the, the WBC yeah. under the guise of being an independent sanctioning body is ordering this fight. And like you pointed out, Chris, Canelo saying, I, I want to fight. It's about, you know, again, for the purposes of litigation, all of a sudden, you know, it's about belts and we really care about these titles. And, and you know, I, I need to be able to fight for that. And this is an independent organization. And all, I've all got a second and, option. I have an option that they're not allowing me to take. Right, right. And they're willing to put this fight on. You know, at the very, very least where Canelo could get some money for fighting Yildrum and, and somebody else could put it on. I mean, it could you could even maneuver it for the zone making an exception to the contract. But, but again, you know, golden boy, obviously, you know, there, there's a, there's a, there, there is a lot of bad blood there between, you know, Al Heyman left, you know, golden boy and a lot of fighters went with them. And, you know, that, that bad blood has seen in boxing. We've seen all these things repaired when money comes up, but we haven't, there has been a little bit. I mean, what uh, Diaz fought Gary Russell Jr. on Showtime, but there seems to be a lot of bad blood between Golden Boy and PBC generally. So uh, there may be an exception here and there, but but what I'm saying is, you know that they they don't want to they don't want to work with PBC on Canelo and Yildrum, and and DAZN probably doesn't really want to allow that um, unless again they may be they may be looking to get out of this deal. Um, we'll, we'll see. But I, I, I have a feeling that Canelo wants out of the deal, and, and so does the zone. And, and we'll see how the contract works with, with Golden Boy there and, and how, how this all plays out. Probably we'll end up in some kind of settlement where Canelo gets away. It's just going to be a question of how long it takes. One more quick one. What are the odds, because I think this was in the lawsuit too, that he's trying to get like an injunction juncture i don't know the terms you do but you know to say hey can i what are the chances that he could fight while the litigation plays out that seems kind of like really they'd allow that uh what do you you think he could get a judge to rule that favor like hey why we figured this out or you think that hey the contract's pretty locked into we have an option like you said and that is to kind of figure it out arbitration yeah i'm gonna guess that the arbitration i'm gonna guess i don't know I'm going to guess the contract would be too tight, but you got the right idea, Chris. Yeah. Be, be an injunction. It would be kind of the idea just that we're talking about, like, let's say, which really this stuff is happening. You know, the, the WBC 
again, this is all boxing politics, but the WBC orders Canelo Yildirim, which they already had their vote on, and, and you know, said it's got to go to purse bid or something like that. And then Canelo, just like you pointed out, is basically with his legal team is saying, hey, you know, we've got to be allowed to fight, make money. I want to fight. These guys won't let me fight. I would have fought Yildirim for them. They didn't allow it. Um, you know, the old, you, this you gotta, is America line. Hey, this is America. We 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 we, right. we, can, got, we can work. You got to let me fight, make money. But I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna guess, and I don't know, but I'm gonna guess that the contract's too tight, and the the judge wouldn't issue any kind of injunction. This this you know, I mean, to, to help Canelo, I mean, uh, you know, they they might might get a ruling the opposite that he 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 can't fight, you know, while they're they're settling right. this because, uh, you know, say the zone is going to be, or actually golden boy is going to be too damaged, you know, if, if he's allowed to fight or something like that. Sure. Um, sure. So, so yeah, we'll see, but it's, it's got to get back going and we got to see if there's going to be arbitration. Now arbitration in theory, if there is an arbitration clause arbitration in theory, I don't like it, but it's supposed to move quicker. That's, that's part of the concept of arbitration is supposed to be, uh, less expensive and move quicker. Um, you know, I, I, I think you lose too much with it, but, but that's supposed to be the concept of it. So if there is an arbitration clause, we don't, we, we've seen talk that there is one, but I don't, I don't think that's for certain yet. Uh, in the, there's been talk that there's a arbitration clause in the golden boy Canelo contract, but I don't know that for sure at this point, which would mean it can't be in litigation in federal court it has to be decided in private arbitration otherwise but we haven't seen that for sure i will tell you the way litigation goes if that does exist um as soon as this gets refiled the first responsive pleading from the defense golden boys lawyers would basically be a motion to dismiss based on the arbitration agreement uh motion to dismiss and motion to compel arbitration sure and like you said, though, as far as Golden Boy and, and their company, sure, Ryan Garcia might, you know, might be able to really blow up. And we know Ortiz, skill-wise, seems like he's going to be there, but in a, in a stock division, of course. But, uh, um, you know, from that discovery with the, the Heyman Golden Boy lawsuit, we found out how, just how valuable Canelo is. Uh, to their bottom line, and did I mean would they just go bankrupt? Would they if, if things started working, you know, going south? Would they just be like, all right, bankrupt? I got to shut this thing down because it just they can't exist really at any kind of high level uh, without Canelo at the, at this moment. Yeah, I'm going to take a guess as possible because the problem they've got Chris with Ryan Garcia and Virgil Ortiz is these guys can really fight. I actually am a believer in Ryan Garcia, even though a lot of people seem to not like him. Um, yeah. I, I'm, and I'm a believer in Virgil Ortiz too, but, but here, here's the problem. And this is the, the problem I thought from the beginning with the DAZN thing. I mean, even with boxing in general, shrinking the fan base from what it used to be still as much as it may have shrunk when, when it's on, when these guys are fighting on DAZN, relatively speaking, nobody's seeing these guys. So yep. if, if, you know, Canelo had been, uh, you know, on, on HBO, on Showtime, all the pay-per-views, you know that that's a base that the zone gets to live off as long as they're living in boxing. Um, you know that that they, that their own guys, so to speak, the guys who who are younger and, and coming up more with them since since they've started with boxing. Those guys just haven't been seen. 
They haven't been seen enough. Yeah. So there's nothing really to fall back on. If you don't have an opponent, you know, that's what Al Heyman did really well. If I'm going to invest in a, in a division, I'm, I'm going to have opponents. Yeah, it's it's see, of course it's because he's got more guys, but still the other guys could get that. I mean, Heyman seems to get that now. Now top rank very recently, and it's funny because it's not really their history either. Uh, even though they they did promote Ali and, and old Foreman, but but not a lot of other guys at heavyweight. Um, they they are they're signing heavyweights. You know, people pointed out. I agree, but but again, yeah, I know you, they're going to say we just sign them and stuff. But still, here to me is where you get into the problem is, you know. So you got you got a jog was signed and and you signed some of these other heavyweights and then a jog was fighting, you know, Rice. I I mean, it's like that that to me it seems like that's the that's the thing with top rank. Like, you know, then not that a lot of people cared, but they've signed Kubrat Kulev and then when he's fighting on their shows, you know, they're bringing in nondescript opponents for him to fight. Uh, in other words, it's, it, you know, they just won't put these guys together. And, and uh, you know, the fans, you know, they, they don't want to see a lot of these other fights. I mean, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people like him as a workman-type fighter, but, you know, to me, he really has lost anybody upper level he's ever fought. I mean, is, is Carlos to calm that danger, you know, that dangerous of a fighter, you know, I, this is where I would disagree with a lot of people who they're clutching their pearls whenever there's a matchup. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe a Jogba gets motivated, you know, if he's in with Carlos to calm next and top ranks got him signed and sure. a Jogba and he, and he looks good, you know, he gets by to calm and he looks good. And then all of a sudden people are looking at him differently. I mean, rather than, you know, fighting under Pedraza, fighting this Rice guy. I mean, you know, if you're going to sign these heavyweights, put them in with each other. You know, I think Heyman and PBC are doing that more, and, and they, they, they understood the fact that got got to build up some depth. You know, I, I've seen in recent years, I think it, it's maybe they're expanding it a little, but, you know, top the guys actually signed to top rank, this was just a few years ago, you know, it was relatively speaking a very low number of total fighters. And, and that's where you can't make right. those matchups. So, you know, if the PBC experiment is is ultimately going to make it long term, one of the reasons is going to be just like you, you said is is that you know Al Heyman knew we've we've got to get some depth, and and he, he gets these guys fights, he keeps them fighting, and and then it, it, it enables you to make these matchups, which you know that's where you don't you don't see enough enough of the other enough of that with the other promotional entities really. Right, and we're not saying that. You know, some of these stay busy showcase Lara against Canelo brothers, Canelo's brother or whatever. You know, there's plenty of that to go around, no doubt about it. Yeah, that was all. all need to. Right, exactly. Come on. But This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. I'll say, Laura, if you're going to get Laura FA, and, good. No, and then Laura Vendetti on a main event. I mean, Vendetti... Brought more than expected. He fought relatively tough, but but you know, that was a dull fight. Sure. And, you know, you're putting that on a Fox main event. Sure, plenty. Don't get me wrong. Plenty of mistakes to go around. There's there's opportunities that 
you know, I definitely feel like PBC is missed as well. And those are two of the most glaring, you know, you're right. You don't put Laura on in a, in a Fox main event against Canelo's brother. I mean, that's, that's Ramon Alvarez. I mean, it's just absurd. I mean, you know, Laura's a skilled fighter, but you know, we know, you know, he had a good fight with Hurd. He had a good fight with Angulo, but generally a lot of his fights haven't been entertaining. You know that, you know, you know, he's maybe the co-feature guy, you know, you don't, you don't make him the main event guy. Like I said about Pedraza, not that Pedraza's, you know, dull aesthetically as Laura watching the fights, but you know, these, these are not really guys to me that, that, you know, these are not main event guys unless you're, they're in with somebody else totally a list, you know, that, that people really want to see the fight. And then I do think that that's where that some mistakes are made. Yeah. And it'd be different if they brought an F against F A against Rice and then match them up right away with somebody. That's what we'll find out. Well, I appreciate you taking time out, man. Um, uh, you have yourself a good night, all right? Enjoy the weekend, too. Lots of uh, lots of boxing on, that's for sure. All right, Chris. Uh, great show. Th- thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Really, really enjoyed it, and I'm sure we'll be talking boxing soon. Definitely, man. You take it easy. Have a good one. All righty. Definitely can learn a lot from that gentleman right there. And uh, just in general, you know, just to kind of clean some of this up, um, yeah, it was really with the essay thing, it was kind of back and forth. It's like, well, come on, dude, come on, dude. And then all of a sudden he shows that potential. Um, but man, he just gets hit with so many clean shots. Um, I guess it was just a stale performance. And, you know, this is first right with top right, but even as the PBC, right? I mean, it's been kind of up and down. He was knocking dudes out, then he went the distance and, as John said, I did kind of like some of those distance fights when he had to figure out something else. And, and so that did, that was, it did seem like it was pretty helpful. Um, but we'll see. We'll see where he goes because uh, he does have that power, no doubt about it. And like I said, I did like how he worked that body. Um, pause. Uh, and then we had Robesi Ramirez against uh, Carabello. Uh, Carabello was, was a pressure fighter. Um, he put in some decent body work. Uh, the jabs and the movement out of Ramirez was effective to an extent, but his power punching to me wasn't all that effective. And then he turned it up. He started really landing. I thought some really strong punches. Uh, that uppercut, I think, in the fifth round uh, kind of stood out to me. Uh, so he's kind of a work in progress. But, he, I mean, he, really, he outworked him. Yeah, outmaneuvered him. I mean, he was 52 to 11 after two punches, so it was clear by Ramirez. I still think Ramirez is just trying to get some of that amateur stuff out of his system. I don't think he looked as good as he did in his last fight. However, he was motivated because he had lost to the guy. And, as we know, styles make fights. Um, yeah, for me, I had it 9-1 to one, Pedraza, just to clean some of that up. Um, I liked how he, he was throwing combinations in the body. I like how he mixes his punches up he is a he's on his toes he's in and out um i mean two of his best rounds actually against Gervonta were in the on the inside um but yeah i mean you know working the body with the uppercut sometimes in the body into the head i thought he was i thought he was pretty stark that jab to the stomach uh i thought that stood out too he's really good at that he's a good fighter he's a very good fighter uh javier molina just didn't have much to go on on that um, I, I'll tell you what, though. Um, 
Brady getting knocked down early like that in the first two rounds was an overhand right right at the end of the round uh, that King Tug. It, it was a fun fight right away, too, but that King Tug, uh, you know, was able to, to land on him. And then I think it was like a minute in, several right hands, and I think a left hook knocked him down again. But then I gave Brady the, the fifth, or I'm looking at the, the third, the fourth, the fifth. Um, he was landing the better shots. His up, you know, his, his, his work rate got up. I mean, he was landing the better rounds. Now there were some close rounds, like the sixth. I gave that to him too. Or no, actually, that's when I started giving Tug. No, I'm looking at my scorecard now. Um, and it seemed like the jab, the quick, the quick combination. King Tug kind of got on his shit again. You could see uh, Brady's eye was starting to close. The jab. He followed up with a few straight right hands, uh, a little jab body. So he pretty much took over. But then the 11th, like he took the fight back, I should say. But I, I think I'm looking at my scorecard. The 11th, um, behind the jab, the bigger shots I thought were, were Cree again. So, I mean, um, kind of in and out with the jab in the 12th round kick tug. I had it like 7 to 5, 6 6. Obviously, those knockdowns. Um, were the difference, 190 to 166, pretty active fight. I mean, look at look at Brady, 742, still landed 22%. That's not horrible, 580 as far as thrown. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought John hit it on the nose as far as, uh, you know, laying off the pedal a little bit. I think I think he kind of fell, fell to that. But he, he is a good fighter, and especially the amount of fights he has. I thought he actually showed – Let's see an example. Maybe uh, against Russell, I'm going down that line. Um, maybe Lipinets against Garcia, where you're like, oh, actually, dude, it's been a while since that many clean shots. Not a ton. Not enough to win four or five rounds on Garcia. But, you know, he, he you kind of looked at him like, all right, dude, Lipinets is a real dealer. You know, I thought he fought really well at that 140 pound. And uh, so I want to see Brady, dude. I want to see both of them. So yeah, that that's one of them. What else we got? Oh yeah, as far as um, um, yeah, I mean Boots, that uppercut was nasty. I thought he was a little bit more accurate than John was saying personally, um, but that was more of the jab and the quick little punches. So I guess you know that that is kind of a point there. But he landed 39% of his overall punches, but he did say his power punches. I just love how Boots. Mixes up everything, dude. He's right there for you, but even he's still on that edge of the pocket where he can use an angle, miss the incoming punch, and then bam, he's right on your ass, and he's following up. You know, that, that's what I really like about Boots. He's slick, like I said, on his toes, quick feet, quick hands. Looks like he's got a ton of power. Um, I just like the way he mixes up his punches, man, and, and can only go so far with this 26 and 0 I think now 24 KOs the dude is you talk about an eye test I mean this guy is pretty much the definition of an eye test I'm not saying he spots just dudes that have no chance I mean this dude never got stopped um so but at some point I just hope he gets through this litigation because Espinosa said and this is just obvious with boxing once you get to this level especially when you're knocking dudes out the way he's doing it it's just such a, you know, a high-risk, low-reward. And I know people hate to hear that, but that's just factual, dude. They are running a business here, you know. 
And if you're not going to be able to get that kind of, you know, payday, there's just not going to be, you're going to get opponents later in the thing. But I did like how he isn't just on Showbox, uh, how he got on a normal card. I hope maybe he could end up on one of these pay-per-view cards at some point, um, or even like a, like a Showtime special edition, you know, so there's a little bit more money in it maybe so they can get a quality opponent. Um, you know, hopefully they can, I mean, they just got to start early. <laughs> they got to start early, dude. They just start knocking on doors. Um, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, but other than that, oh, Lubin, yeah, I mean, I had him winning most of the rounds, of course. Uh, but it was just, it was a slow fight. He was a little bit too careful. Um, patient at times and effective, then all time. Other times it was like, well, where'd that left hand to the body go, you know? Um, but like I said, it's really easy for us. You know, he was looking for counter rights as well. Same with uh, Gauthier. But it's really easy for us for to sit here and say, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that. Why aren't you showing more offense? Um, and then look what happened when he did open up more. You know, he buzzed him in the 10th round heavy and got some clean shots off there. I thought the 9th and the 10th were uh, Gauthier and, and, and not too many other. I, get, I was 9-3. to three. Um, I just thought Lubin could have stepped it up a little bit earlier in that um, in that fight, but like I said, when you're in that mode, you're like, dude, I'm I'm right there on the cusp of a big fight. I'll say this about where I want Lubin to go, and I don't give two shits about belts, so this is why I'm saying this. I know the WBC is the green belt, right? I know it. I know it's I know it's historic, and it's got Floyd and Ali on it, and Tyson. I know all that stuff. But I would like, let's say Charlo beats Rosario. A lot of people think that, right? He'll have three belts. He's not going to hang out at those belts at all. I mean, that's usually how these unifications, and especially undisputed, happen. You know, they just open it up. Well, if there's a division to open it up at on this roster, why not open it up right here? And instead of Lubin, who still needs a, a little bit higher of a top-level herd or whatever, Laura or Castaño or whatever. I mean, they got a bunch of them. Um, Harrison, you know. Let him get another win or two. Let them drop the WBC. And I only say the WBC because the ranking, he's, he's the mandatory now. So, or he hasn't, let me take that back. He's not, the, the mandatory hasn't been called yet. So, you know, maybe that'll be the thing where who knows how they do it. I just, I, I'm worried about the fights, not the belt. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. 
So if they, even if I know people don't like the interim strap or they drop, well, why does Charlo have to drop the belt? Well, do you want to see Lubin and Charlo? The rematch right now? You think Lubin's ready for him? I, I, I say no. I say no. Now, could, you know, if he gets out of the opening rounds, could he win the fight? Sure, maybe, but especially with an aggressive, even a more aggressive Charlo three years later, sure. But why not let him just for his own confidence, just so there's no, my point is, there's no momentum for it at all. And why would there be? He got dusted in the, the first round, and it, he doesn't have another. Let him get a big win against Hurd or Harrison or whatever. We can go down the list at 154. Let him get a win or two. Get him up. Okay, let's say he beats one of these guys. Okay, then get another thing. And then all of a sudden you go, you know what? I'm looking at this, and he was, Charlo was down 6-4 against Harrison. Until he knocked him out. So, and then Jackson, a couple of years back, gave him problems. Some people think uh, Harrison did win the first fight. So you could, you know, now you got something to sell. And also, I just think it's a better fight at that time. Um, so that's what I hope happens. I know it's the green belt. I know the great Muhammad Ali's on there. Uh, pretty boy and money Mayweather's on there. I got it. I get it. I, I understand this stuff, but. I just don't get two shits about the WBA or the Super WBA or the interim. Everyone's got a belt, even when they're not even calling it like an interim. I mean, you see these silver belts, they're walking around with big belts on. They look like real belts. It's kind of funky. Actually, uh, what's his toes from the NBA? Why am I? Dane. Dane was out there. Lillard was out there going, you know, the only thing I don't like about boxing is I don't get the belt. Everyone's got a belt, like everyone. You know, it is kind of funky, um, especially when they look like the real. It's not that, you know, international, intercontinental. You know, it's not some random. I don't know. Anyway, that's what I hope. I just don't. I don't think that there. I just don't think that there's much. Who wants to see Lubin against Charlo right now? I mean, really. You know, if they put that fight out, they would get smashed online. They'd be like, oh, what the fuck? Here we go again, you know. And and that's why I try not to get caught up in these belts because this is what it produces sometimes. Or sometimes, you know, I will say this. We are starting to see in some divisions or some belts that they are, or the WBA, WBO actually uh, putting PBC fighters there now. So that's cool. And, and some of these rankings are getting a little better. But in the end, the ranking systems, and, and, and it's great that the IBF is strong on their Mando. But if it's, a, if it's just a so-so Mando, and you look at the rankings, and Sean Porter loses to Kel Brook and gets knocked out of the top 15 in the IBF, that's great that you're tough with your rankings, or not your rankings, but you're tough with your Mando, but why you got to do Porter like that? You know, and I'm, he's back in there, but you know what I mean? So we'll see. We'll see where this goes. I'm going to go ahead and uh, go to the line here. I see Carcino, but drop in real quick. What's going on, Carcino? How the hell are you, buddy? Oh, I'm hanging in there. All right. Well, Got a little hey, summer cold first. coming. You know, the change of weather. I bet you we got some sort of LeBron uh, a video coming soon, huh, tonight? Yeah, he's probably, he's probably responsible for it. <laughs> yeah, we're going <laughs> to probably get that after the game. We're going to have a post game. Yep. I like that idea with the post game. That's kind of cool. 
Yeah, oh. you know, the stream yard letting the people get in there and just rant. <laughs> right. That actually works out pretty well, you know, letting the guys go separate. They, they'll keep it going for hours and hours. It's like no, it's nonstop. <laughs> it just <laughs> continuously goes. But, uh, yep, like as soon as I broke the news to you about Floyd coming out the next day. Dude. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> unbelievable. That Actually, let me take that back. It is not unbelievable because you've done that plenty of times on the show. But that was like clockwork, wasn't it? Yeah. And I was like, we don't know who the opponent is yet. But it's happening like New Year's Eve. <clears throat> and sure enough, <clears throat> they made the announcement. Well, they didn't officially make an announcement. It got leaked. Right. Because <clears throat> they finalized the deal. So now it's uh, Logan Paul. And it makes sense. You know, it's another, you know, Conor McGregor type. Yeah. Uh-huh. It should do a lot of numbers for exhibition. It's going to make a lot of run. Oh, yeah. That press conference is going to be funny. I don't care what it, I don't care if anyone, you know, whoever's not going to buy this or not, you're going to watch the press conference. Yeah. And they're going to want to see the fight and see what happens. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> So it's gonna be another easy check for Floyd, and at at this point, people are like, yeah, but he ain't fighting no real fighters. I'm like, the real fighters are not fighting real fighters. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of some real fights, okay, oh, go, go ahead. What are you gonna say? Okay. All right. Well, anyway, speaking of some real fights, the Charlo brothers are back in town. Uh, the boys are back in town. Uh, they got some interesting fights here. Charlo Derabenchenko, if you look at the, the the books, it's a close to a 50-50. A lot of people thought, or a fair amount of people thought, he beat Golovkin, or at least it was right there 6-6, and the knockdown gave Golovkin whatever it is. He fought really well against Danny Jacobs. The knockdowns kind of turned that thing. That's kind of the Derabenchenko thing. Takes him a little while to warm up. He makes a nice little run, and then he gets hurt. He either starts to wear down or gets hurt. He didn't wear down, though, against um, Golovkin. Um, he did take punishment, though, and he's taken even against Cloquet here in uh, Minneapolis at the Armory. He was winning that fight, got hurt, ended up winning it, you know, ended up winning it and finishing okay. But he just has too many lulls um, where he actually gets hurt. Uh, for me, I, I'm, I'm going with Charlo, but what do you think? How do you think these are going to play out? Charlo Dervinchenko and Charlo Rosario. Um, some people think with the Rosario, oh, it's going to be over in six rounds. Others think, well, dude, this guy's getting full camps now. Uh, he's got some power. You know, Jermel is a lot more aggressive nowadays, which puts him in range uh, to get hit by a, a guy that can, you know, some crack some. How do you see these uh, two fights break it down? Who's going to win them? Uh, I got Dervinchenko beating Jamal Charlo. I think Jamal Charlo is another person who, you know, is depends. He telegraphs a lot of his punches, and he depends on power. But Dervinchenko, if he can survive the early onslaught, which I think he can, 
he's going to surprise Jamal Charlo. He might even stun him enough to get a knockdown. But I think the consistency, the punches from different angles, I think um, he's going to win on the cards and get robbed. And they're going to say Jamal Charlo edges him out in a majority uh, decision or the majority split, like one in each. Right. They'll want to have Durbin Chaco winning and want to have Charlo winning, and they'll split it. So I think, well, split decision, and they can call it that way. So it'll come down to so that. So good because two-way I'll fight, get... but you'll walk away thinking Derevchenko should have won the fight. Exactly. Just like the Triple G. It might be – it probably won't be as worse as Triple G was. I mean, Triple G was kind of obvious that he lost that fight. And Charlo <laughs> – I just don't see Jamal Charlo. He hasn't really fought any competition, really. And the competition that you fought, that he fought, that you can be able to breathe through, guys who were like feather-fisted in there with him at middleweight, was taking him to distance. And I'm like, man, he couldn't even finish the guy. So I'm – and then he telegraphed it. His chin is way in the air. You know, it's, he has no defensive skills. You could land right hands on him all night, but that left is going to come. As soon as he's looking, he's not even going to be seeing the left. He's going to be so telegraphing trying to land that big right hand on Dervinchenko. He's going to get caught with the left. And once – once Jamal is caught with that left, we're going to see how he responds when it's consistently happening. And the body punches. Dervinchenko throws very sneaky body shots. He hurt Triple G with a body shot. Yes, he Surprised did. him. A couple times. Yeah, surprised him. And he knows, <clears throat> he knows he's got great timing on when to throw the body shot. You know, he's more of a headhunter than he was a, a body puncher, but he's underrated, I think, with his body punch because it's very sneaky. And he makes it and sells it as if he's going up top and come to the body. And I think he's going to give Jamal a, a, a very high-speed education when it comes to fighting world-class talent. When you've been, you know, stuck in the same house fighting a bunch of, you know, spare parts that Al Heyman is throwing at you. Now you're fighting some real fighters because Jamal hasn't fought anyone at middleweight. Since he's been at middleweight, he hasn't fought any competition whatsoever. Guys who've been out for two years have been beating him up. And, you know, I'm like, this guy's not ready. But they're promoted like they're the big ticket. They're the big show because they're twins. It's it's pitiful. <laughs> it's really pitiful. They have, they have digressed. They have shown no progress of getting better. Over all these years, they have they're what you would call paper champions. Him and his brother. Now, well, I think Mel has gotten better at coming forward, though, than let's say flashbacks four years ago against Jackson. Uh, but you're right, though, about Maul at 160 as far as the comp. You have Korobov, and then there's really not much there. It's been light, no doubt about it. And his power doesn't look the same as it was at 54, no doubt. Yeah, and then Karloff was off for two years. So that's that's what I'm saying. Karloff came off two years and was and basically won the fight. Was landing the big right hands, was taking him to school. I'm like, imagine if he had some some you know, some actual you know a camp 
He just took it for the check. Now, Rosario and Jamel, that's a whole different ticket because Mel is a little different. Mel is Mel is more the boxer, but now he's becoming the boxer puncher. But now I can't trust Jamel. I just watched him in a fight where he got totally outboxed and outclassed by Tony Harrison, but he was able to score two knockdowns and stop the fight. But... I saw him more aggressive than I've seen him in any fight he's ever been in, in that fight. And I'm like, why is he throwing all of these big shots? He was throwing a lot of big punches early. And normally when you're fighting a fight, you're like, okay. Really, you know? Yeah, you knock the guy down. Well, both of the fights, yes, but the first fight was different. He was throwing big punches, and then they weren't landing, Then he gassed out and got tired and then was getting worked out with a jab, jab in his face all night, and it was just ole. This time he was throwing head punches, and I got a knockdown, and he started throwing a lot of heavy punches, and he was starting to fatigue. You know, he's trying to get a second win. Then we have whatever happened in the corner with these water bottles. Now, that brought a lot of questions. That brought in Panama Lewis. It brought up everything in the world. I've watched it again, and I'm still in disbelief. I interviewed the California State Athletic Committee about it. He seemed very confused about anything. Seems like he's just going to stick to the script that they gave him on paper. And he can't even explain what was the purpose of them switching the water bottle. Now, I'm like, I wish, because now he's thinking about making an entire rule change based on that. He's Wasn't like, the well, difference in a squirt bottle in a, in, a hand, in, a, in, a, in a cap, a squirt bottle in a cap? Wasn't that the difference? Well, no, the thing was this. Every corner has 30 bottles of water. They're approved. They got it for each corner. So you're not going to run out of water. You got 30 bottles in there in a 12-round fight. There's no way you're going to they, – everybody got a 30-pack. So you're not going to lose water in a 12-round fight. So they got the water <laughs> that you would get in a water bottle, and they're they're giving them the water out of the water bottle. Now, around round five, the water bottle is not given anymore. He's getting water or whatever type of fluid he's getting out of a squeeze bottle his uncle is administering. Before, his trainer, Derek James, was giving him water out of those water bottles for the first four rounds. And after, like, the fifth round, here comes old squeeze bottle that his uncle would do. And his trainer, Derek James, is not touching that bottle. That's very fishy to me. And then that happens for four rounds, and you think, okay, well, they switched to the water bottle because he wanted, you know, to get more water, so they switched. So, all right, that makes sense then why did they go back to the original water after, like, round eight? They go back to the water bottle. This doesn't make sense. And Derek James is back giving him the water now. So if you're a person that's watching this, it looked like, okay, they gave him something to give him a pep in his step and bring him back. Now we got to dilute what we just gave him. So let's give him water now again. So we can dilute and flush this out so it doesn't show up in his system. So that brings a lot. Thing. That's tough to – that's where it lays right there, whether, you know, the belief is not is 
you know, if he did put something in the system, it's, it's you know, to, to have to take the test like 40 minutes later, an hour later, that's where I'm like, uh, I don't know. You know, it didn't show up in the test. A lot of things are water-based and don't show up on the test that could boost your testosterone and get you back up. If you took a five-hour energy drink, that might not show up on the test if you water it down. Sure. That could have been like what they use for asthma to open your lungs, like the right, same right, thing right, right. Panama Lewis was doing. That could mm-hmm. not show up on the test. They probably use the same thing. We don't know. The thing is that that happened, and that shouldn't have happened. That's too fishy in the corner. And the California State Athletic Committee told me that there's no rule saying that they had to inform the other corner of what they were approving in the other corner. I'm like, that's retarded. I'm like, don't you think that? I'm like, not only is that unfair, but if you make a change, that's dangerous. The other, the other corner would need to know that. I'm like, now they're at risk. I'm like, you created this whole thing. You know, you guys are NL, but I know he's defending his guy because his guy is looking right at it and said they got permission to use the water bottle earlier. So if they got permission before the fight started to use the water bottle, why was they using the water in the beginning and why the trainer who administers the water wasn't giving him that water out of that bottle. It seems like he was covering his ass and said, I'm not touching that bottle. The and they claim to have watched them put the water in the bottle, right? That's what the commission claims. Right. They, but they don't know what was in there before when they opened it. And that's sure, what sure, they're going to sure. claim. Yeah. So they're not going to tell right. on themselves. They're not going to say, well, well, we dropped the ball. <laughs> no, there should be that. a rule in place. I think you're right yeah, about the rule of place, place regardless. Yeah. Right. Just to now, take it out of the hands. Now people are going to be rubber. watching the corner. Now people are going to be watching <laughs> yeah, the corner. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. <laughs> what do you think, Rosario? I think Rosario uh, has a chance here to, to maybe uh, land some, uh, something that wakes Charlo up and uh, buzzes him and gets him out of there? Or, like, how do you see Rosario? Rosario's a. Interesting cat. He's coming off a great performance against the guy that doesn't have the greatest chin, though. Here's the thing. Rosario can punch, and he's got heavy hands. But he, he's very chinny himself. I see Jamel probably stopping him in, like, round five or six because what Jamel could do is he can land punches and then he can get out of way pretty much uh, I say he's going to catch him early probably date him and then Jamel could probably you know get him out of there I hope he catch Jamal I mean Jamel with something that'll wake him up but I I just don't see Jamel losing this fight I think him think he's going to be really cautious and aware of the power then around five or six after he busts you know, the only way Rosario will catch him is Rosario is hurt and then he rushes in and he actually catches him Jermail. In that, uh, I don't like the way Rosario sets up his punches sometimes. I think he telegraphs everything because, like, so confident in his power. And I can get him very hurt in this business. One power shot is probably sweet. Yeah. I, I'm, right, I'm right there with you as far as 
if he gets him hurt, if, if Charlo jumps on him too early, that could be the counter shot. I, I think you, you pinpointed that really well. Um, as far as this last weekend, what did you think of Erickson Lubin's uh, performance? You know, a lot of people on Twitter watching were like, dude, you're beating this guy. You're better than this guy. I like the left hand to the body. I like some of the stuff you're doing, but you're not, you got to just put the work rate together and put the punches together and, and start to really one side this guy in the same breath. It seems like he's stuck between styles right now because of that Lubin or because of that, uh, Charlo fight first round and lo and behold, in the 10th round, he ends up getting hurt. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? And then, I don't know. I think you were on before when I thought, you know, let's say Charlo wins and Lubin wins. Why not let Lubin get hurt or, or Harrison or one of the Castaño, Lara? Let him get one of these shots so we can actually anticipate more of the Lubin-Charlo rematch because that's what the WBC ranking-wise has it. But what would you think uh, of Lubin overall against, you know, a crafty old vet that didn't really uh, – after five rounds or so, didn't seem like there was much of a threat until the 10th round when there was. And I think I gave him the back-to-back rounds, 9th and 10th. Well, I think that uh, Lubin was trying to – he knew he was in there with a, with, a, with a very heavy puncher. So he was very cautious. You know, when, you, when you've been knocked out and you know you're kind of chinny, you know, and you're fighting two big punchers, he, he showed a lot of boxing skills, but he wasn't going to do anything more or extra. He was trying to take uh, Goucher to the later rounds and and try to, you know, step it up a little bit. When he got caught, it's because he was, he was basically looking. You know, he was falling asleep in the ring and got caught with a shot in the 10th round. But, you know, I thought he, you know, did well as coming back. You know, he showed, like, okay, I can get buzzed and not panic and go down. Uh, he got cold. He caught cold in that fight with uh, Jamal, and it showed. You know, that's, that's right. Jamal's biggest win to date is Erickson Lubin. <laughs> that, let that sink in. His biggest win to date came with a guy who just basically had, like, two fights. <laughs> so, just, just let that sink in. This guy's been fighting for, like, 2012. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. It's like, are you serious? Undefeated. The funny thing is, that was a 50-50 fight on the betting lines, too. It was a 50-50 fight on the betting lines. That's crazy. And the thing is, 
Lubin, you know, because they thought, oh, this guy was great in the amateurs, you know. So this they thought yeah. this was going to be, a you know, a big fight and everything else, but he just happened to get caught. So now you're back into this thing where Lubin, they're trying to build him back up because that's what they do. PBC to pacify boxing champions. That's what they're going to do, pacify everybody over there and keep them fighting each other. One big circle. But Justin uh, Rosario, man, I I hope he can do something, but I really don't see it. And I don't see anybody paying 75 bucks for this pay-per-view. I'm like, is there Mayweather or Pacquiao on this card? <laughs> what, 75 bucks for the pay-per-view? Are they insane? They must be insane because I don't know who, what soul on the face of this planet is going to pay 75 bucks to see the Charlos. I, I swear, like, are they rapping? Is there a performance? What am I getting for $75? Floyd Mayweather pay-per-view with McGregor wasn't even 75 bucks. Yeah, it was. It was 100 But, yeah, you don't think that there's oh, some quality here with comparatively? Oh, okay. Yeah, I was at the movie theater, so. Yeah, I didn't. Well, that's true, too. That, that's actually, I, I was going to point that out. I do wish, obviously, the movie theater's in a mess right now overall uh, in the States. So that, that does suck. This would have been a perfect time to pay 22 bucks uh, for this pay-per-view. But if you look at the last 10 years of pay-per-view, though, Carcino, with, you know, the, the Canelo against Liam Smith, the Pacquiao against Rios, the, the stuff that did underachieve, if you look at some of the stuff, they are giving us a nice little one-two punch, I'll say that. We have a 50-50 fight. I mean, I, the whole pay-per-view thing, I wish it wasn't there in general, right? But if you look at bang for your buck, I understand that Charlos don't have a name brand to sell just yet, that's for sure, and they may never. I mean, this is going to be, you know, the test right here. But I'll say value with the with a lineal title with – Whatever that means, but it is that. Um, I know a lot of people don't like Rosario's in that spot, but he did beat the man that beat the man, whatever. A lot of people thought Jared Hurd would run Charlo over. So, you know, we, we're here. And then a top, say, four middleweight, because Canelo and Jacobs is not a middleweight. That's pretty good, though. I mean, I can think of one one card since then. It was May, and don't get me wrong, the names are nuts, but Mayweather Canelo and then a lineal with uh, Garcia and Matisse, is it just a name thing? Like, why are you trying to sell these guys on name? Well, because I think they are offering value when I compare the pay-per-views over the last 10 years. I guess, but, I mean, I don't get it. I'm trying to think. Who's going to get excited to see the Charlos do anything? I mean, they don't put on an exciting fight to me at all. Really? I mean, unless... I mean, the last Jamel Charlo fight, that was with, uh, and that was on Fox, the one where he fought Tony Harrison in the rematch. But Jamal, Jamal hasn't fought anybody. And <laughs> I can't, the, the fight we just talked about, when he knocked out, um, I wouldn't say, uh, not Lubin, but. Uh, Harrison? But, uh, no, when he knocked out J-Rock. When he knocked out J-Rock, oh, yeah, that yeah. was his biggest oh. win. At their weight class, and then he went to middleweight, and it's been nothing ever since. 
And I thought Trout and, gave him a better fight, but you're right at 160. His run at 160 right. is not. At not. 160, in middleweight, he's done absolutely nothing. So yeah. I have not been impressed with any fight Jamal Charlo has had at middleweight. He's basically proven that he's not ready. He turned down a fight with Canelo. He turned, well, his team or the people representing him said no after he was offered huge money to take it, and he didn't take it. And that was basically it after he did that. It's like, okay, well, you're not serious. You're just here to just, you know, try to be a star. And that's most of these guys, that's what they want. They want to be, like, famous more than they want to be known as the best fighter in the game. So, they care about the fame, and that's all the Charlos are about. Like, well, how many hits did I get? How many likes did I get? You see how they're going crazy in the chat? You know, that that's them, you know. So, they stuck in that reality. They're not thinking world champions and fighting and boxing. Most fighters don't care about who's in the chat room, how many people. <laughs> they, they don't even care about that portion. They care about winning. Well, I mean, nowadays, I disagree fight. nowadays, so Nowadays, it is about yeah. that, unfortunately, even more than it was. Um, any, oh, yeah, they're so young. I said they're so young. That's why. That, you know, the new era. Yeah, the new era. That is very true, yep. And they're going to find out that you can't get fights done online. Uh, it sounds right. You can send contracts and all that, but you're not going to get the fight done online like that. Um, maybe you can do that and then build the fight, and then sure, that's the seed of it. But to go right to it, it, it is kind of goofy. Any other kind of news, uh, Carcino, that you want to talk about, or any anything in the boxing world that uh, that you want to discuss? Obviously, the tips about to happen here. Uh, in game three, Nuggets and Lakers, but anything else you want to discuss, sir? Um, nothing really too much except for Floyd is uh, sparring and he's looking well sparring in the ring. Uh, he does it late at night. Nobody's really there, but he's sparring in the ring a little bit, getting some timing down and everything, doing his boxing there. He's doing his light training. Uh, he hasn't really started any, like, really serious road work or anything like that, but he's just doing light work right now. But he has started some sparring, the light sparring, but it's not like a boxing training camp yet. He just did some light sparring. And then he starts showing, you know, instructing, you know, some of the younger fighters. But, yeah, he's he's back, like, in the groove, but he's, like, secretly moving around doing stuff. When it was he looking like, oh, right. yeah, so he's trying to keep his condition in there and everything else. So he always works out, but boxing is a lot different than any other thing we've ever seen. So it's going to happen. You know, T.I. look like he's training, like he's trying to get in shape to fight Floyd. Oh, I would pay to see <laughs> T.I. versus Floyd. Now, that's the one I want a, a front row seat to. Those, <laughs> those two do not like each other in real life, so. Hey, that press conference, you want to talk about, they better have security. That's what I do know. Oh, yeah. They it's better gonna, have security. It's going to be a lot of <laughs> Yep. Uh, I can see myself being in the middle. It'd be Cino's in the brawl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I just try to talk to him. 
Nah, man, you're mm-hmm. in it now. Too late. Better <laughs> yeah. yard stream this shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I do like seeing Floyd with, with Haney. With, with, I do yeah, like seeing Floyd with Haney and, and Davis and all these guys in the gym now. That can't hurt these young fighters, you know? Right. You know, I mean, that's good for them to see and get some advice of some of the older fighters, you know, who could really administer that advice. Because you see a lot of the other older fighters and a lot of them, like, from the 80s, all the legends, you know, they, they're out here looking bad. You know, they were left yeah, they with stay nothing. Too. Yeah, they you know, some of them like are. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, you see people like Magic Marlon Stallings, you know, like as great as he was, and you seeing what kind of condition he is. You know, he's having, like, he was a limo driver for a while, driving cars, you know, driving people around. And he had basically nothing left from boxing. All the fights he had, all the championships, he's like, I don't know where my championship belt is. I was like, oh, man, it's just sad how they don't have anything. Um, They had uh, Livingston Bramble. Uh, I think he just passed away. You know, I might have that wrong, but I think he did. But even Livingston didn't have anything. Uh, The guy Bumpus, he he left the game with nothing. James Kenshin. Another one, nothing, you know, and these guys were on every weekend fighting. It was like, man, it's like a boxing fight every Saturday. And it was like the Saturday morning cartoons. You had boxing on regular television. So it was a good era, but a lot of those guys didn't know how to save their money. Thomas Hearns went through $40 million. Uh, Larry Holmes went through $50 million. And all these guys who supposedly, you know, who had it all, lost it all. Marvin Hagler, he went and made some money, but he went overseas and stuff, but he blew all his millions, you know, and Ray Ray Leonard was never going to lose his money. Ray was the, Ray was the money. So they were going to keep Ray in endorsements and Probably, all right, I was gonna yeah. say, don't don't go slandering my guy Ray now. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ray was the he was the business. He was the market. So when you saw Ray, you saw you saw a symbol of the sport. He took over from Muhammad Ali. So when Ali was gone, he passed the torch over to Ray. So Ray was repping for the you know, the, 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 the sport at that time. And when he was going through his uh, thing, it was like the middleweight where the, that was the show. You know, he made that the show. He made that like the welterweight division, what it is, him and her, they were the ones carrying the sport forward and not the heavyweight. And when Tyson came, him and Ray kind of had this <laughs> – like, Ray would talk very negative about Mike whenever he was commentating the fight. And it drove Kevin Rooney insane. Kevin Rooney, when he he got, he made sure he was the guest announcer for Ray Leonard versus he was the one sitting there, guest side ring announcer with Larry Merchant, I mean, uh, Jim Lampley, uh, and it was Jim Lampley, Larry Merchant, and Kevin Rooney. Yep, I know you're talking about. <laughs> yep, 
for the Donnie Lalon Sugar Ray Leonard fight, all you have to do is listen to Kevin Rooney. <laughs> Call that fight for Sugar yeah, Ray right. Leonard. Yep. You would have <laughs> swear he was from the Donnie Lalon corner. He was rooting. Exactly. He was rooting. I was, I was like throwing my hat at the TV and shit. I was like, okay, you gotta do this. <laughs> yeah, he was rooting up a storm for Daddy Lillard. It was hilarious. I was cracking up, and it was all because Ray was always so critical as Mike. Every fight, mm-hmm. he always talked about what Mike needs to work on, what Mike ain't doing well. And everybody's like, oh, he's jealous of Mike. You know, people be frustrated at Ray. And Tyson <laughs> was like, he always looked up to Sugar Ray. Like, like that was right. like one of his idols, you know, coming up. Like, man, you know, watching this guy, Ray, man, this was my guy. So, yeah, at that time, Kevin Rooney was like, oh, he's always got something negative to say. I'm going <laughs> to... I can't wait to cover the fight. I don't know how they worked that deal out. <laughs> Kevin Rooney got the critique. <laughs> Sugar Ray Leonard in that fight, but that is hilarious. People they'll probably didn't even know nothing about that backstory. But you go watch the Sugar Ray Leonard fight with Donnie Lalonde, and, man, you're going to see and listen to the most biased comments here. <laughs> you it's so true, heard. too. I bet you Mike's yeah. like, all right, you want to keep me under contract, you got to do this. You want my pay-per-views, you got to do this. <laughs> yep. But, uh, yeah, and Tyson was the one that was going to bring the sport back to the heavyweight. And that was it because Larry Holmes was not, you know, he was the champion. And all the fights he was winning, he really didn't carry that symbol of the sport, like the ambassador. He he was like the chip on the shoulder guy. Everybody hates me, you know, and no one likes Larry. You know, well, everybody wants me to Ali leave. That Ali fight didn't help. You know, that Ali fight, a lot of mad people were mad, uh, you know, that he did that to Ali. It's like, well, dude, he's in the fight, man. What is he supposed to do? He <laughs> was taking it easy on to hurt him. Yeah, he's trying to get the ref to stop it. The ref wouldn't stop the fight, you know. He was crying after he, the fight, you know. He didn't he want was. to do that to Ali. No, because Ali shouldn't even have been in the fight. But they had to do it for the money. And you would have thought that, you know, that he would have never fought again. But then they put him in there with, um, they put him in the ring against uh, Trevor Burbick over there in, like, Jamaica. And that was, like, horrifying. So, I think... The sport of boxing with Tyson took it over and was going and on his ring. They had nobody else to really give it to. Tyson took the sport by storm. So it went from Ray Leonard over to Tyson. And Tyson was the ambassador and the marketing guy from Japan. He was really the world champion. He was all over the world. Tyson fought in Japan. He fought in And he did like work Canada. in the top ten, too. When people go look at yeah. it, he, everyone but Holyfield, he fought that whole ten, top ten. Um, so, I mean, yeah. it wasn't and like he was just fighting like, nobody. Right, and Holyfield wasn't even in, in a heavyweight at the time. He was a cruiser. Right, exactly. Yeah. And Lennox kept right. getting so, starts before he'd get to the fight, you know? Yeah, and then next thing you know, by the time he came up there, like if they did the fight back then in 90, 91, Holyfield would have been out. I would have said about 
six, seven rounds. If they'd have did that fight then and Tyson was focused, he'd have took him out. Right. Even in in nineteen ninety one when they had the fight originally scheduled, right. Mike the Tyson would he would have beat Holyfield. He would have beat Holyfield. Holyfield wasn't strong enough to keep Mike off of. And that was the thing. Mike would have been all over him. The Holyfield, when they fought later, was like three, four times stronger than what he was. <laughs> and we won't well, go over the reason. Too. Yeah, he had, had a, a new, new neck. neck everything. And everybody's <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> what is this in this front installed. of me? Right here? You like this, Garcino? I just got this neck installed. How do you like it? And that was yeah, like the, the Kardashian's ass was his neck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. So, All right. Yep. Um, well, you, you take it easy, man. I appreciate you calling in. Um, enjoy the fights this weekend. I do. I got to. I'm with you on that. I wish there was a theater, uh, you know, that was popping off. Because I like that. I do like that they give the uh, – the option of the theater normally with these PBCs. And if you can pay 22 or 25, it helps a lot more, but either way that British Dortico spice should be fun on the zone too, but you have yourself a good night. Enjoy the live stream post game too. Oh, thank you. And thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thanks. All All right. Garcino. Peace. All righty. Now, my, I guess I haven't given my official prediction on uh, what's going on, you know, for, for the for the fights this weekend. Not officially, anyway. And just kind of looking at some of these uh, different odds and whatnot. I was talking about earlier how, you know, if, if you do like Rosario, you may want to take a gander on him. But even that Charlo Derbachenko, you got Maul by decision plus one twenty. All by KO plus 400 split decision um, for Sergey. Or I'm sorry, I just looked at it wrong. Derevinchenko, it's an SD. <laughs> um, Derevinchenko um, plus 250 for the decision and uh, plus 500 for the knockout. Over under 10 and a half. Um, so yeah, the overs minus 300, under is 250. So if you think that there's going to be a knockout, if it, you know, ten and a half, I mean that that number's so, you know, that's always that not always, but that that number's always, you know, lingering in that area a lot um, when it comes to uh, over unders. If you if you keep track of some of that stuff, um, pretty interesting, pretty interesting. We'll see how that goes. Uh, as far as uh, Mel Kale minus. 150. This is coming from uh, Jonathan Lear, by the way. Um, Ringwalk John at Ringwalk John. Uh, Mel decision plus 275. Rosario KO plus 550. Uh, Rosario decision plus 900. Over under eight and a half on that one. Uh, over one. Oh, they're both minus 120. Um, so eight and a half on that one. You may want to take a gander in that. Okay, um, so I do think that Charlo will get off to a pretty good start because it just seems like Derevchenko, time in, time out, you know, he shows two things. It takes him a while, like I said, and he gets kind of wore out or, t- or, or hurt, even against Cloquet, who's a, a, a more solid fighter than people give him credit for. Um, that 
just his mo. Um, so, but I, as far as stylistically, I think this is going to be a blast. Like I really do. Derevinchenko, Charlo, they go for it. Um, you know, Sergey does have that good foundation. He does have some, you know, the he's got a pretty good, he's got a decent guard, but a good jab. He sets up his punches. He can. I wouldn't say he can box box when you think of being on the outside and all that, but he knows how to fight uh, at somewhat close range, but still use his skill set. He's a little underrated there, but the reason why he's underrated is because, you know, he'll open up and he'll end up getting tagged. And I think I'm not going to say J rock Charlo, not the ending is what I'm talking about, but, you know, people do forget J-Rock was lighting up Charlo in that fight to an extent. I think I gave two rounds. You know, he was hitting them pretty good. So I think that once we're in that three or the third, fourth into the rest of the fight, that's when it's going to heat up. It's going to be back and forth. But I just think if, if you know, if Jacobs can hurt him, if Cloquet can hurt him, I think Charlo's going to hurt him. And he has now taken some punishment over the last couple of years that can just minorly catch up. You know, the Derevchenko doesn't have a lot of fights. He, he was a very outstanding amateur, Ukrainian system and whatnot, but um, I don't know. I don't, kind of like when John was on earlier, I could see a TKO, but I, I don't, I'm not sure I'm ready. I think that would be uh, Charlo just—he does have a way of crafting his punches where he uses an angle and kind of turns it a certain way to adjust the punch to land something just super flush. And unlike his brother in the in the past, and even now, is he comes with a pretty high guard. Um, no, whereas Maul, he'll he'll get touched up, and that's why I, I think it's a great action fight. I'm gonna say in that seven to five, eight to four range. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Jamal Charlo will come out of it. I do think he'll knock him down. And, you know, if you've been knocked down enough against guys like Jacobs and, and Golovkin, that can punch, um, you know, out of those guys, like, they both will spaz out when they got a guy hurt, especially Jacobs. We've seen Sergio Mora knock him down when he tried to go after him when he had him hurt. So I'm not calling for a knockout. Um, if it is, it's going to be late. So ten and a half, you know, I'd probably go over. I think over is a safe bet. But I got uh, Jamal Charlo 
right around seven to five, eight to four, I think in that range with a knockdown. Uh, but yeah, I just see a TKO. If there is a stoppage, I'm thinking TKO. I, I don't know. I mean, anybody can get touched. And like I said, these, these performances do add up, but it's been almost a year since that fight. So at least he did get time to heal. Um, and it's not like he has, hadn't been active uh, previously. Charlo Rosario, I think it'll take a little bit longer to warm up than this one. Um, I do think Charlo, kind of like Arsino was saying, I think he'll be a little bit more cautious early. Um, I think he's going to work the body. I think he's just going to land the better punches. Rosario will get his. Uh, and he's not afraid for a firefight. So at some point, it will open all the way up. Um, but I do think Charlo's going to stop him. Could be TKO. I don't know, but I, I say stoppage eight and a half. Oh man, that's a good man. They got that's a good freaking number, man. That, I got to think about that. I, I'm not. I don't know. It's Tuesday, folks. It's Tuesday. I don't know if I'm ready to say under. I just don't know if he'll take him out in the six or seven, especially based off my mindset of what what's happening playing it out in my mind i think he, the first couple rounds he's not gonna go for it uh, because you'll know hey that's when i'm gonna get caught probably uh, because it's not like j-rock didn't have a ton of success early because he did um it's just charlo um charlo doesn't have a, a lot of top tier names i agree with carcino on that but if you look at his resume he's got some solid dudes on his career um so he's and I like that he's he's faced adversity in fights now multiple times and he's, he's come out of it. I thought he did enough in a very competitive fight uh, to win that first Harrison fight. But I can understand the clean punching and some of those, well, just the flush shots along with the jab. That controlled, uh, you know, Mel a lot. It's too much through that fight. But I thought we can't just, you know, we can't just go off that because Charlo, did, you kind of forget that he'd light him up and then land a combo after that, too. So who landed the better shots throughout? I think it was Paul or Mel. But um, that jab movement and, man, some of those counter shots, especially earlier in the fight and midway through the fight when it did look like Mel was forcing the issue. And let's not forget Harrison was beating her. Harrison was beating Willie Nelson and then got stopped, too. So I got Charlo winning that. I have Breedis just doing enough with his skill set and his jab, and, and he's been there and, and really went there with Usyk and, and won a, a fair amount of rounds, the most rounds anybody's won off him. He lost the fight, but still. So I like Breedis in that. Um, Dortico's then, speaking of adding up, that guy's been taking some punches, but kind of like I just talked about, they have had a lot of time off, and sometimes that does work out. I'm going to get to some boxing fight news, some uh, boxing Twitter, a couple of those, talk a little bit about some other items, but I'm going to go ahead and bring in Wood to the conversation. What's going on, man? How the hell are you on a Tuesday night with the, uh, the Laker game already tipped off? Are you on mute, Wood, or maybe I caught you off guard? Maybe I caught you off guard. I did kind of just uh, 
go to you without warning. I'm going to go ahead and text you and get this thing going. Um, maybe you text me. All right. So, um, yeah, I am. I, I do think as far as the undercard goes, though, um, some of them are just some fights. I mean, they're probably, you know, holding, like, holding off a little bit on, um, what the hell's his name? He just fought Seha in a really tough fight, and, and I can see why they kind of step him sideways um, instead. But uh, Figueroa, um, you know, he definitely – I can understand why they're, they're – well, I think it is like a – I think it actually is like an interim, you know, stuff. I, I, I feel – well, he has a, like a secondary belt as it is, but I think he – I think this was actually a mandatory, but he, he took, I mean, that, that's say how it was a draw, right? Yeah, it was a draw. I almost forgot. Yeah. I mean, that that's, it was a draw. <laughs> so I can understand why they're kind of moving him that way. Like I mentioned the, uh, uh, Damian Vasquez is who I'm talking about. Yeah. It's the WBA regular. Um, but Casemiro, I like that Duke Mackay fight. Cause I think it's just going to be fun to watch. It's just going to be a brawl. And, you know, Daniel, Daniel Roman, he's fought some tough fights. And I don't know if he doesn't always separate himself. That's just his thing when he's against pretty solid fighters or high-level guys. I mean, he just fought against MJ earlier this year, a tough fight. And to me, I wonder if that's going to add up to where he'll win the fight. It'll be clean. I think this is for a eliminator, if I'm not mistaken, um, WBC. And... Payano's just a good, he's a quality fighter. He's not going to blow you out of the water. He's got some outside skills. So I think that we could see like a 8-4, to 9-3 right there. Uh, Neri and uh, Almeda or whatever his name is. Yeah, I mean, hey, if Almeda catches him or something, sure. But Neri, you hear Neri's like, I can go to 122 in 118. It's like, dude, just make 122. Please, could you make 122 first? Josh Taylor is in. With uh, Hung Sung, I think that's his name. I didn't mean to say that weird. I, I just realized I did. I didn't. Mean, I don't mean any harm there. Kong Sung, I think it is. Um, you know, this guy has power, but I just and I and I actually saw it on Twitter the other day that oh look at who he's facing. It's like I hear you, and he could, but I don't think Taylor's going to be around for that. You know, I don't think he'll be just squared up in front of him. Now, if Taylor comes down and tries to be someone he's not and try to go for some knockout right away, sure, for sure. And, you know, he's got Ramirez on his mind. But, I, you know, I, I think he'll I think he'll, uh, I think he'll get it done. Um, all right, I'm going to go ahead and bring in Wood into the forte. What is going on, sir? How the hell are you on this Tuesday night? And it's kind of like a late summer run here in the 80s in Minnesota, so I'm kind of loving that because we got a little scare early September that we normally do with like 48 degrees at night, and it's like, whoa, 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 I'm not ready. How are things on your end, sir, sir? Uh, man, no complaints whatsoever. Um, weather-wise, is great. Uh, other than that, man, I, you, I was, I don't know, I guess my phone went to mute somehow earlier, but I was sitting here getting a little frustrated that the, the Nuggets came out so flat, but I see they fought their way back into it. So 
uh, no concerns on that front tonight that we might get a competitive, uh, you know, Western Conference final uh, finals uh, game. Yeah, yeah, and um, that that uh, man, that I still think they're that doesn't surprise me because uh, that's got that heart, you know, that heartbreaking stuff that happens where you go, we got them, we got them, ah, we don't got them. It's kind of like Boston in Toronto game three. They were going to go up 3-0. They hit the buzzer beater. Next thing you know, it's a game seven. So this is definitely a must win tonight. I know there's the 3-1 thing back to back. You ain't 3-1 in Davis and LeBron. Uh, that's just not going to happen, even if it takes a game seven. So we'll see where that goes. Um, what you think of last weekend, um, Lubin, everybody's favorite prospect, Boots, um, King Tug in a good fight out of nowhere. It sure didn't look like it early, but, man, oh, boy, re- I can't wait to see that guy fight again. He really put up a good fight. Pedraza kind of looked to looked apart in my mind. What'd you, what would you take away from last weekend? Because it did seem like, there was a lot of chatter on Lubin in the chats and in the, you know, on Twitter and whatnot of people, you know, time to force the issue in this fight. And sure enough, he got caught late. And you just wonder if that chin's just going to be lingering there. And also, where do you think Lubin should go? Do you like my, uh, do you like where I was going with uh, if Charlo wins, drop one of the belts so Lubin can fight a couple other guys? Because, hey, I'm not too pumped about Lubin Charlo right this second rematch, you know? Right. I think that's going to be a tough sell. Um, yeah, I think Lubin – and I I was able to get into the e-conference last week and ask him a question or two. And um, I asked him, you know, P, I, I, that was what I mentioned. You know, I said, uh, you know, we talk online, so and, you know, social media and whatnot. We talk – we're still talking about, you know, Floyd's chin and how many times he was officially down or, or how many times he was down or really hurt. And I just asked him, you know, do you think that um, with you being stopped in the first round, do you think you've been able to kind of take control of the narrative about who you are, what you are as a fighter? And, of course, he said what he was supposed to say. Um, and, but, I, <clears throat> but I think um, that look, the optics of that is still fresh in everybody's mind. And then I think, like you said, with getting uh, getting hurt by a puncher, the level of a puncher that um, that we know Gachet to be, that's not a good look. That's a tough one, man, because, I mean, the, the guy's kind of fought himself back into that position, but it's kind of those unwritten rules of boxing. And um, I, that's going to be a hard... I think that's going to be hard to sell, man. It is. That will get destroyed uh, on Twitter the second it gets released, dude. That will get destroyed. And, you know, rightfully so, because we he still need now. Okay, we got him back. Four fights, five fights, got some wins, looked okay. B.D. Shea, whatever. Gallimore, okay, cool. Let's get him in with there with Harrison or Hurd or, or, you know, whatever. One of these guys. They got a lot of guys there. So, I think one or two, then maybe all of a sudden in 2021, 2020, 2022, God, that was tough to say. Um, then all of a sudden you start to go, okay, okay, I'm ready to see this, or at least it's going to be better than what it was, like you said, like you're saying. Yeah, I mean, and heard, you know, 
Heard and, and Caleb Plant are two of the interesting missing in action guys right now with not getting dates to come back. It's it's looking uh it's looking like neither one of those guys could be back in twenty. So Hurd is a guy that I don't you know, I don't even know if he, you know, can he make one fifty four in twenty one? You know, it seems like the guys that gotta fight in had to get back in line. The ones that got a fight in this year so far, they had to get back in line because like we got still got these guys to, to fill. Yeah, I don't. That's a good question, dude. I mean, I know he was on the right path and all that, but you're right. Now that we've had this downtime, that's a great question. And, and he didn't look particularly good in his last fight either. Nah, I mean, and he's another one. That was one of my things I was going to mention with Karama and. Um, and Ajagba pairing up with Karama, you know, I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of Karama not being in the ring uh, to give instructions, especially once the fight went kind of south, and Ajagba seemed to be kind of uh, out of sorts and and just just didn't I mean just seemed locked up. And um, Karama is down on the floor barking instructions to the guy. I just didn't like the looks of that. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. I think that's a fair point. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot, I mean, there's a. I actually saw some other folks saw that too and said, "What's all that that about?" Fa is just I don't know. It's it's he's just an interesting prospect that I just haven't really quite got a handle on. But it it does seem like we're starting to see a ceiling, you know. Yeah, I mean, and that's I was looking at where he was weight wise. I saw that he was up at like two forty three, I think. Um, but he, like, you know, uh, Bradley pointed it out how slow he is. He's one of those guys, and I, and I think I kind of like him with more volume versus what Karama is trying to do and making making him be maybe more efficient or you know, to leave himself less exposed. But he's the kind of fighter, man, his his level of uh, dynamics or dy- I'm a dynamism or whatever, it's, it's, yeah, once he starts it. going, once he starts going, he needs to go. He He's not a fast twitch guy. He's not light on his feet. He, he's just not a dynamic mover. So kind of like Joe Joyce, like if he, if he wants to barrel forward yes. and let his hands go, that's what he needs to do. Right. But, but he's just he 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 doesn't look effective at, at all trying to be like some kind of sniper dude from outside. Uh, that that I don't know. I, I didn't like that whatsoever. Yeah, I, I hear you. It, it's kind of like all right, you could take the opening couple rounds, get your jab going, but like you said, it's time to throw. And it doesn't mean you got to throw stuff from left field, it doesn't mean you got to throw four-punch combos. I mean, who really throws four-punch combos at heavyweight anyway, let alone a boxing? <laughs> not, not that many, you know? So, I get all that, but yeah, it just... And then, though, that what always brings you back, because at the start when he's laying dudes out and he's got the look, it was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to check out F.A., you know? But then, but then he'll get that, like, the, the, that great punch that moved him across the ring, where he didn't even touch him with the jab, but it was there, and bam, that right hand came, and then you're like, oh, that's it, that is it, and that that is, I I think you stated it right. That's probably it, dude. That's who you are. Be that. I did like the body work. 
I was thinking about it. Oh, you go to the body a little bit, but then when I saw, and I know it's you know it's copy box, but you know when you almost half your shots hit to the body, I was like, okay, dude, that that helps. I liked what I saw in the second half rather than the first half. I will say that. Right, and it and it's not a good look either when you got a guy like uh, Rice and his mo his agility mobility, yeah. um, standing comfortably standing right in front of you with his hands lowered, anticipating whatever you're going to do. You know, you, I don't know if you got to throw some feints in there, maybe some double and triple jabs or something, but he just looks, he just looks predictable. And I, you know, I, I sense that Rice picked up on the fact that he was thinking too much and kind of in between, you know, approaches and whatnot. So maybe he felt comfortable to do that, but you got, you got a, a, a nice thick, you know, round guy like that sitting in front of you and you can't really touching the, you know, flush, uh, that's that's just kind of scary. Especially when you're getting jabs and hooks right back at your head, too. That's, you know, making your snap, your neck snap back. That's that's not a good look. It's not a good combination. Not a good combination at all. We'll see where he goes. Let's get into some boots, if you don't mind. Uh, one of the hottest prospects in the game, I think you got to put him at contender, like, He's got enough fights. He's got enough knockouts. He's, uh, he, I mean, he is Mr. Eye Test. If you if you want to look at a test and it's just on the eye, this dude can do a little bit of everything. He mixes it up. I'm still wondering just how great or good or very – where is he at? Good, very good, or great on defense. Um, and that's what I think we'll see when he has to step up. Maybe he won't be – as loose sometimes, but man, when he can put his punches together, he's in and out. He's a showman. Um, he's really building that underground boxing Twitter, boxing forum type. This dude is the next or whatever. What, what do you think about his performance? And just, uh, you know, you just hope he can get out of this litigation because there's so many welterweights. He doesn't need to jump to Thurman. There's so many guys that he could fight, but at this moment, you know, where he's not he, sure he's on the PBC side of things with Showtime, and Showtime's invested money, so I think that helps him. And I think that it, it'll be more of a slow grow there before he get a big fight. I, obviously, like I said, the litigation he's got to get through. Um, but there's plenty of fights that he could get two or three of them and be like, oh, dude, yeah, he's ready for Spence or whatever. Um, where, where do you where do you where do you look at Boots, man? Because it's got a lot of hardcore fight fans just excited about this guy. Like John said, he's just doing it when he's got a guy in front of him, he's going to take care of him, but he's going to do it in style too. Yeah, I, I was I was more with you uh, over John. I, I, I saw him being the John's comments about him being inaccurate. I didn't agree with that so much, but you know. I'm I'm not saying the guy didn't know what the hell he was talking about. I'm not, I wouldn't argue, you know, tooth and nail with him over it. But I just thought this was a fight. I thought he clearly came out to to fight this guy. I don't think it was all about boxing. And I think one of the things, one of, one of my, because I did a follow-up article on my uh, website, fightdownboxing.com. Um, I, he still hasn't faced a guy who is able to put together an offense against him and what he's doing. And so he's able to dictate and be first 
and 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 work his jab and get in and out and you know side to side and do everything that he wants to do. Um, but I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't see any. Of, he's gonna be where Sermon and uh, Porter were, and they and maybe to a lesser degree or lesser extent, uh, Spence. He's gonna be where all those guys were when Floyd was exiting, and none of these guys, uh, you know, Crawford, whether it's Spence, you know, not not too many of those guys. We're not gonna see those guys against him. I don't think. Um, that's just. That's my uh, pessimism in boxing. Like, and you were getting into it earlier with the the uh, low reward, high risk. I don't really see yeah. him facing none of those guys, um, unless somebody is in a bad situation at the end of it, and or they need a payday or something. You know, if you or, yeah, or that. with Al or something, that be or or that's, top rank, he gets to sign a deal. Right. But I, I, I like him, man, because he has good height for the division. Um, now, now, like you said, though, I think you you mentioned, you know, with the defense, and, and that's what I was saying. We haven't seen anybody jab with him and kind of dictate anything to him, maybe get inside him and, and press him a little bit, smother him a little bit. We haven't seen anybody be able to do that, uh, and I don't know when we will. But um, – he took some, you know, he, his, his chin was up in the air a little bit, and he caught a couple of wild shots from uh, Abreu. But Abreu, you know, he was doing a lot of so He was breaking a lot of rules and, and kind of – that's the thing. This was a fight. You know, Abreu knew that he couldn't right. box with the kid. Abreu only had four rounds total in 2019. Uh, the dude was in jail recently. Just got his ankle bracelet off, you know, in time for the fight. He was coming in there to brawl and and, and fight. And and that's what... You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. And that's and that, in my opinion, that's what I liked about Boots is okay. That's what you want to do. Well, I can do it that way too. And he did it. Uh, I thought the power was good. You know, he dropped him with a couple of single shots, like you mentioned. The the uh, the, the that right uppercut has been, or you know that counter right uppercut has been a hell of a punch lately. Uh, I want to say the I want to say the Escudero kid got put down. Was was that a right? Yeah, you're right. Just in general. Yeah, that's that's a good call. General has been uh, active, I guess you could say. Yeah, so um, I I think he can do it all, man. And, and you know, I don't know how the hell we get to a um, how he gets into a championship fight. Whether somebody vacates, you know, goes up and vacates something, or he can get himself into the mandatory. Um, 
but I, I mean, between him and Virgil Ortiz Jr., you know, I don't, you know, I think that's a, a future fight out there at some point. Hopefully, that would be great to see. Uh, I, I just like you said, until he gets his business together, who knows what the hell he can even go and do. Um, you know, could he fight a dude like Jamal? I think in an earlier article, you know, I threw it out there about a Jamal James, uh, 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 Ugas, uh, any of those guys, it would be great to see him against. But I think right here, you know, with the Brayu having been in the ring with Kavalaskis as well as Best Beauty, we did get to see some pieces of the puzzle, you know, so, and get some of the questions answered. But he's definitely, in my opinion, you know, we already mentioned all the attributes that he has, but I felt comfortable Saturday like nobody can really, nobody could just punk him. You know what I'm saying? He can go in there and no. kind of handle himself. Um, you know, the kid, uh, uh, you hit him with, a, with, a, with an intentional uh, mm-hmm. low blow, and then he, you know, oh. he talks to me. I think he said F you or something at the end of the round. And yeah, it, it looked like, like something almost got a brawl at the end of the round, or yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he showed, yeah, I think he showed me that he can pretty much handle himself in the ring, and and uh, you know he's not like some of the other PBC guys that came up and got some you know vacant a vacant title shot really early, or just got a, yeah, a yeah. you know a fight early. He seems to be able to. To conduct him, you know, to, to to cover all the bases in the ring. Yeah, I mean, ever since he got on Showbox, and maybe these last five fights, they have minorly stepped prospect level, of course, but they haven't stepped him up minorly, of course. But still, guy has really passed with flying colors, and that's why I'm willing to say the dude's a contender, man. I, I don't care what anybody says about. Oh, but he hasn't done it. He's got to beat someone in the top 10 to be okay, dude. But we can argue over 7 to 12 or 13. Like, who gives a shit? The dude is a contender. He's ready to go. And uh, he's 23. So, yeah, you hope that it's not like a two-year thing before he get even to some sort of interim or, you know, quality fight, even the guys you just mentioned. Um, you'd hope that um, that he can get that so that he doesn't, fall into any kind of mode of um you know these guys are they're not shit in front of me so i'm just gonna keep doing you know so you can create some bad habits not in the gym not outside of the, i'm not talking about that but just in the actual the the focus in the ring um and then you know you gotta you gotta develop even more when, when you actually face these top guys so i mean if you sign with uh top rank and they put him, you know, I think they'd be willing to put him in with some guys over there before Crawford. Whoever gets him, though, that record is going to look so good, isn't it? Like, when you see that on the other side, it's like, people, like, that could, you put that on Fox or, or ESPN, and you line up two dudes, that record with all those knockouts, and, and just his style, and just everything, he just needs that opportunity, and it feels like he's going to hit the ground running. Yeah, another you know, uh, you know maybe could be an option. You mentioned top rank. If they can get the fight between, they can get that undisputed fight in. If Kansong doesn't uh, upset that apple cart, and they get Taylor and uh, Ramirez, uh, and, and both of those guys end up going up, you know, Boots did. I got a chance to talk to him when he was up in Flint, 
for the shield the la- the shield fight that was up there um well when she didn't actually get to fight that night but um oh, right yeah. he mentioned he he mentioned he was more than capable of going down to uh, 140 so you know if they vacated those belts or however it went down and the belts became open sure. down there you know, may, and, he, and he can truly make that. And I don't think that would be a bad move for him because, like you said, I don't want to yeah. see this kid linger around for another year and a half, two years before he gets to do something meaningful. So if he could go down to 140 and uh, and, and do something there, Fight I Pedraza. think that would be great. Yeah. Like Pedraza at 140, <laughs> whatever, yeah. I mean, hey, yeah. So even, That's a, I didn't realize that, but now that I look at his frame – you're right. He's tall. He's big. He's got a good reach, but he—I could see him maybe making 140. I didn't know that. Huh? Yeah, he, it's, I think it's on. I think the interview was on my channel. Uh, I think he said on there. You know, he was—he was good to make 140. Um, he was 146 okay. on the way in last week. Um, so if he could do that, man, I, I think that might be a beneficial to take. Cause like I said, man, him fighting the Spence. Him fighting a Danny Garcia, him fighting a Sean Porter uh, or Thurman, I don't see none of that happening. No, nah, if you're not tied, no one's – even a Crawford, to be honest with you, because if you're not tied to it and the, the, the manager, promoter, whatever the hell you want to call it, doesn't have a, a, about a few options on you, that shit ain't going to happen. It's just not <laughs> not happening. You, know, it's, you might as well just stop it, and that's where I like some of your ideas to keep them going so we can keep them growing that underground thing. And like I said, when he gets on the marquee, wherever that is, um, that record, his style, it will resonate, man. It will resonate. No doubt about it. Let's pick up the pace a little bit. Let's get into the double trouble here. Charlo Derevchenko on paper is the tighter fight. We'll start with that and then follow up with Charlo Rosario. How do you see those two uh, fights playing out, sir? Man, I'm all over the place with these two fights. You had me going one way. Carcino had me, <laughs> Carcino had me <laughs> thinking something else, else with Derevianchenko. The one thing that I don't like about Derevianchenko is his height. I think he's undersized for uh, middleweight. You know, I don't think he has great tail-of-the-tape uh, numbers. But um, I definitely think he has a different rhythm, a different uh, – Intensity and, and and enough boxing to uh, to make Maul a little uh, to give him some fits a little bit. Um, another thing, a, a, a big concern of mine, and I'm not, you know, you had uh, Garcino was kind of taking some shots at PVC a little bit, then John was kind of giving them some love and what not. But Jamal, you know, his competition over the last 18 months just hasn't been that great. I mean, uh, Adams and then, yeah, then Adams at one, two 154 guys up at middleweight. Uh, you know, he yeah, blows Hogan. away Hogan. Yeah, Hogan didn't do a whole lot. So, Besides the back Right, right. <laughs> so, Did I'm wondering. Roll, you, stop, drop, and roll. Right, right. So, I, I'm just wondering, you know, when you get a guy in there that can handle himself pretty decent. You know, how does that play out? So I think he could get off. To, and then coming off of this break that everybody's coming off of, these are some emotional guys. Uh, you know, uh, both of those guys 
they're, they're driven off of emotion and whatnot, and they're going to be in this different environment that they haven't encountered. So I think it's a couple of things working against them. Also, I was able to get in on the um, the, the e-conference for the Twins a couple of weeks ago. They had Jamal on Monday and, and Jamel on Tuesday. To be honest, and everybody can draw whatever conclusions they want to draw from what these fighters say in these press conferences. But the fact that Jamal really couldn't articulate what his plans, all he said was, I want to fight. I want to fight. He's supposed to be better than me. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have to take this fight. I want to fight. I want, that, that's really was the gist of what he had to say. And it seems like he's a little of, of tight. I was trying not to read too much into it. Because, uh, I mean, it is just words. But I don't know, man. I, it's like you said earlier, it's Tuesday. I haven't really quite settled in on where I'm going to be. I just think we're going to get some good questions answered about exactly where Jamal is. They did come out. You know, I've seen a couple different videos, and Carcino mentioned it, about him turning down the, uh, the uh, a date with Canelo. So I, I, don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm looking at with the, with the Charlos, to be honest. I'm I, I, I'm a little bit, and we can transition to uh, Jamel and um, and Rosario. Rosario. Uh, I don't know what the hell Rosario is. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the hell was going on in Philadelphia with uh, Julian Williams, J Rock, and now to see J Rock and and Breadman part ways. That kind of led me to believe that that, that J Rock cut some corners in that in in, in camp and maybe overlooked um, Rosario a little bit. And I think you guys hit on it. I think that's just going to be some exploring and some probing until it turns into a fight. I think both of those guys want to bang. I don't think Rosario is is sophisticated enough of a fighter or boxer to do the things that that Tony Harrison was able to do against uh, Jamel. And I think I also like the fact in Jamel's interview or his media availability, he actually credited, although they talked all that stuff and it was a lot of disrespect there, he actually was really honest, I thought, in talking about how everything that uh, Tony Harrison did helped him to grow. Because I think he was kind of out of solutions in that fight. But since he didn't give up and he took another run at it, Whatever round that was, the tenth or eleventh, when he yeah. when he stopped him, right. I think he was kind of tactically. I think he didn't have much else to go to, but he he didn't quit, you know, and 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 he didn't want right. to end up. He didn't want to let it go to the cards. So I think at some point in this fight, one of these guys are gonna is gonna hurt each other, and and it's just gonna be a fight, and 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 the man that could take the best shot, I think, will be the one that wins. Dan, it feels like Rosario has shown that he can get clipped. Uh, right. He's got, I mean, everybody clipped, but, you know, at a level that is not on the Charlo level. And I like how he said, just to piggyback uh, with Mel, I like how he said, you know, it mentally sharp me. I thought I won the fight, but then again, you know, I, the last 18 months now, I'm me- I'm more mentally sharp. I'm more even into it. I'm more, you know, he, I like that he, a few years ago, said, F it, I'm going to go forward. I thought maybe, man, are you sure? Because you have some outside skill, dude. But you do need a guy to come to you in that Jackson fight four years ago. Really, 
showed his weakness, but he has tightened it up. Is that his strength? Like, is that his number one game? I don't think so. I think if it's in the middle of the ring and it's just a skill fest in the middle, not coming forward, not necessarily going back, but just in the middle, I think he's really comfortable there and kind of pivoting and, and that type of thing. But um, I don't know. The whole Rosario full camp stuff, you know, that does – it just lingers in the back of my head. You know, it, it does linger. It does kind of linger. Anything else, sir? Because we are kind of getting close to the uh, the borderline here of uh, the, the the end of the show. Well, I'm with you on um, quickly. I, I'm with you on um, uh, Pedraza. I thought he looked pretty good, um, and I, I think it's. I don't think we we do enough. We give enough respect to these guys who have a bad night like he had against uh, Javante Davis and has come back and kind of uh, stuck to it and fashioned himself into a credible guy, you know, what, two divisions up now? Um, you know, he had the decent fight, you know, did his thing against uh, Lomachenko in a losing effort, but, um, you know, he pounded out Les Pierre. Uh, you know, I just like the, that the guy's been able to turn things around. Is he a killer at 140 the way that uh, that Bradley mentioned? You know, I don't get that. Right, nobody wants but, to yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm not buying that. But I, it, like I said, it, it's good to see a guy get totally outclassed and get beat up really badly and then come back a couple of years later and, you know, that's not the end of the story for him. So I, I like what I'm seeing in him. Um, and I think another interesting thing that you mentioned, and I said this early, I did a, a early, earlier today, I put out kind of, it's a lot of boxing this week, so I did like a review maybe or a preview on the uh, world, just the weekend in boxing when you have it on all right. these different platforms and trying to help people out. Um, yeah, that's that's going to be a very interesting storyline come next Monday and Tuesday is what, and Carcino mentioned it, what does this fight do uh, for the Charlo brand and then for pay-per-view? Um, you know, where are people with inviting a bunch of different people into their homes to uh, go in on a fight, you know, I think it seems like individually, I don't know if people are really all that worried about, uh, you know, COVID-19 and whatnot. I know Bob yeah, I has, has, has... a good has, friend or something. But sometimes yeah, a boxing know, friend's not a great friend, you know? It's just something you have in Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> so what do these numbers look like? And, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not kind of on the same page as uh, Carcino with, uh, nobody wants to see the Charlos. I think they do have a decent enough of a following, especially in, according to today's standards. But I just want to see who is really putting money into these guys this weekend. Um, with the ESPN Plus card being out there, you know, uh, Taylor, and then also at noon, starting at noon with the World Boxing Super Series, I'll be honest, as a guy who is, doesn't have a, a, you know, I can't attract anybody around to come uh, invest with me. I got to fit the whole bill. I was like, man, I probably could get my feel of boxing just watching the stuff that I already paid for. But, I mean, right. I'm going to have to tune in and see. I, like you said, there is good value. Uh, you know, I, and right. I don't, you know, I don't, I know that uh, there was no way they were going to come at this with a $65 uh, or, you know, some other yeah. price point. I mean, it was going to be 75 Uh But not to ramble, though, the other thing is um, since some of us are thinking that the, the Revianchenko fight could be the closer fight or it could be an upset there, 
what would happen going into Jamel's fight if he sees his brother lose and we got that we got that intermission in there and then we got the other two fights in front of him? That's another That's what I think helps. That I That's up. what I think helps. He's got some time to separate it, you know. He's got a little time to right. separate it. And not a little, but a lot. I think I'm glad you brought right. that up. I, I meant to say that too. I think that actually will make a difference. Right. So uh, like you said, man, I mean, you and John covered a lot of ground earlier than you and Carcino covered a lot of ground. There wasn't much more else that I really had to add. Um, like I said, I, I'm just hoping, you know, some of the, the, the criticism towards the zone uh, over the last two years and whatnot, and, and now going through this uh, this lawsuit thing with Canelo and just uh, the state of business, or the state of boxing business as it is, um, I just like to see some good news this weekend. I like to see some good performances out of the Charlo twins, whether they win or lose or draw. And, right. you know, the business and the complaining stuff not be bigger, the bigger story. We got to shelf that. There's a time and a place, you know, let's shelf it. It's fight week. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm with you, dude. I'm with you. Yeah, Cause I mean, you know, we can criticize the zone all we want, but I, you know, and people can complain about the the guys they had, the commentary team, um, the schedule, you know, the the way that uh, COVID nineteen has impacted them and their schedule. We can complain about whatever was is the language in this this uh, in, in in the contract that they had, uh, so on and so forth. I mean, but I. I felt like all in all that they came into the sport trying to do, trying to trying to give people some value, and and it's just yeah, like they just but they also they just, you know they did, but their that that price point would have never worked long term. So did they try to only do that? Because I'll tell you what, second quarter and fourth quarter last year, that's value. Period. I don't care who's saying what, that's value. However. When you start to hear the premium opponents, and it's McGregor and this guy and Oscar De La Hoya against Canelo, that also tells me that, hey, it wasn't all about just pleasing the fans, which I didn't think it would either. But um, I, I don't think that the media was actually all that hard on him because some of them uh, got paid by him, their sponsorship. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but definitely, we have definitely. heard a lot of backlash. We've heard a lot of backlash, though, especially now. Um Overall, we did. I mean, their second and fourth quarter, though, that was the ball. Yeah, and and, and that's what I said. I, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, they made some mistakes. They probably over, uh, you know, they they probably uh, had a. They weren't conservative in the the, the, the number of uh, the audience that they could could attract over there. But the thing is, you know, if this pay per view doesn't do well. Um, you know, Showtime is despite how much effort and how the quality and the value that Showtime has tried to provide, you can see now. I mean, they came back, the numbers weren't it's great about, for we're about seconds, so you know. They cut you off, you okay. Know why. okay. Well, I'm just gonna say leave it there. You know, they came back and the Leo fight wasn't that well received and then the Benavides fight took a hit with him losing his title on the scale. And his numbers weren't great, so it's, it's not like Showtime is balling out either with its, you know, the, the support of consumers there. Right. 
That's very true. That's very true. We're in that moment where it, it decides when to just shut off, so you can keep going if you'd like. Oh, okay. Well, like I said, you know, everybody's kind of taking some hits. I mean, you know, quietly, ESPN Plus wasn't doing a whole lot for for several months, you know, and, and now they've just come right. back online with uh, the Joe Joyce fight, the Bois, uh, and then this weekend, and I think the last two weekends have been on ESPN Plus. Um, so, like I said, man, I, I, I see it all over the place, and I do think a lot of people have tried to do the best. I mean, you know, there's criticism with the cards that top rank put together, but again, um, yeah. they were the first ones back. You know, nobody even knew how to go about putting this protocol together. Nobody even had a a model to uh to use. Well, to, yeah, I mean the UFC had a model, but boxing wise, you're yeah, right. Yeah, Here's yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. I don't like how, dude. Look at the fall schedule. All things considering, it's a pretty damn good schedule. I think people need to just wake up and hear that. You know. Yeah, I mean, if you if you if you sit here disgruntled and, and unhappy. And we have what we have uh, under the under the circumstances that we're we're in. I mean, damn, you're just not you're just not likely to be pleased about too much. Looks like they got me. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.